Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. Whether your pursuit involves a bachelor's, master's, or doctoral degree, GCU's learning environments are designed for supportive networking and collaboration. With over 330 academic programs, GCU provides a path to help you fulfill your dreams. The pursuit to serve others is yours. Find your purpose at GCU. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. Sit in friends in the morning. 77 WABC. The president's son, Hunter Biden, arrived on Capitol Hill Wednesday morning to testify behind closed doors about his family's business dealings. Hunter, what do you want to tell the committee today? He issued a statement saying, I am here today to provide the committees with the one uncontestable fact that should end the false premise of this inquiry. I did not involve my father in my business. The investigation by House Republicans focuses on allegations that President Biden profited off his son and his brother's foreign business dealings when he was vice president. The more than year-long probe has produced no direct evidence of wrongdoing by the president, but Republicans say their work isn't finished. With every interview, we've learned new information, and, and the basis of what we've learned is that the Bidens didn't have a legitimate business. Their business was selling access to Joe Biden. Oversight Committee Chair James Comer alleges Mr. Biden received two checks totaling $240,000 after Hunter and James Biden, the president's brother, closed business deals. The White House says the checks were repayments from old loans. The House Republicans say they're pressing on with the inquiry with more subpoenas and witness interviews to come. The other big story that will reshape the political landscape in Washington Republican Senate leader Mitch McConnell announcing that he will step down from his role as party leader after nearly 20 years. CBS Nicole Killian has reaction from Capitol Hill. I love the Senate in my life. An emotional Mitch McConnell took to the well of the Senate Wednesday in a surprise speech. I know the politics within my party at this particular moment in time. I have many faults. Misunderstanding politics is not one of them. The 82-year-old Republican leader said the decision came after careful deliberation. It follows a series of health challenges, including two episodes last year where he seemingly froze in public. Elected in 1984, McConnell is the longest-serving Senate leader in U.S. history. Rising quickly through the ranks, he was instrumental in reshaping the Supreme Court by helping to confirm three conservative justices during the Trump administration. It's probably been the most consequential Republican senator, if not senator, of the last quarter century in terms of his impact on American politics. The Supreme Court has decided it will take up Trump's immunity case at the end of April. The decision's expected in June. This will put Jack Smith's January 6th case on hold for now. Shannon Bream is in D.C. with more. Shannon. Yeah, this is a significant delay, Jesse, to what Jack Smith had hoped would be a trial starting March 4th. That's clearly not happening. We weren't sure whether the Supreme Court would get involved or not because the D.C. Circuit, which is that appellate level just before the Supreme Court, had a very lengthy, detailed decision saying that the immunity case would not be a winner for President Trump. They gave him a big loss. So they went to the Supreme Court and asked for a stay. What the court did was go beyond that, not only stay the case, but say we're actually going to hear it. We're told that briefing will happen in the next few weeks. They will likely hear this case the week of April 22nd. That means that from that point on, we wait. And normally these big decisions come at the end of June. This one has been expedited, though, so it may come ahead of that. 
But until then, that lower court is on hold. Jack Smith cannot proceed at all with any of this January 6th case against the former president. So we'll wait to see how the arguments go. The New York appellate court has denied an attempt by Donald Trump to delay payments of his $454 million civil fraud judgment. That means for now, the former president is required to pay that bond in the coming weeks. Defense attorneys had argued Trump was prepared to post a $100 million bond, but couldn't secure more without selling off some of his real estate money. Attorney General Letitia James says she'll ask the judge to seize Trump's assets if he does not pay. Meanwhile, the judge issued a stay that allows the Trump children to remain in control as this process continues. The great defenders of democracy have now kicked Trump off another state ballot. Of course, this happened in Cook County, and Illinois Circuit Judge Tracy Porter has ruled that former President Trump is disqualified from the state's March 19th primary ballot and the general election over the, quote, anti-insurrection clause. Dozens of migrants found living in the basement of a store. Sound familiar? Well, we reported a similar story in Queens and now the same thing in the Bronx. And it is the same guy who is housing the migrants. The city says it's illegal. Eyewitness News reporter Jim Dolan on where things stand. They are moving all they have in the world again. Dozens of migrants from West Africa pay $2,400 deposits and $300 a month to stay in a tiny retail space in squalid, dangerous, and illegal conditions. Inside, there were 45 beds in the small, poorly ventilated space, and police say they were charging electric bikes and scooters inside. But the men paid their rent and had no idea they could be kicked out because the space was being used illegally. Peter King's final message to Mike Sapricone. Mike, your own good and for the good of the party and to make sure and for the good of New York and for the good of the presidential race and the congressional races here in New York, it's time to take your candidacy elsewhere. I feel like David is doing a great job with that. I think he's, I think he's really doing a tremendous job and being very patient about, you know, what the team is going to look like and what the future is going to look like. Um, you know, you can't predict, you know, what, you know, the, the media season is going to look like with it. Until you know everybody's healthy and everybody plays well, but what is your what is your future look like? And, and I think the Mets have a bright future um, with some of the trades that Steve made um, after he made the trades uh, and, and got some prospects back. You know, I think that's really important for them. So
It sounds like Daryl Strawberry believes in miracles. And, of course, so he was part of a miracle, I guess. I don't really consider 1986 a miracle. 1969 certainly was. There was no way the Mets were going to win that division in August to begin with. And then there was no way they were going to beat the Baltimore Orioles in the World Series. So 1969 was certainly a miracle. But Strawberry, for some reason, my friend Daryl, in Port St. Lucie at Mets spring training yesterday, seems to think that this 2024 club is a lot like the club they had when they won the World Series back in 1986. I don't see it. <laughs> I don't see a Dwight Gooden or a Mookie Wilson or a Lenny Dykstra or a Wally, a Wally Backman or a Kevin Mitchell or a Daryl Strawberry or a Keith Hernandez or a Gary Carter walking in that door anytime soon. I don't see it. But... You know, one good thing about baseball is, in February, no one's lost a game yet. So, whether you're the New York Mets, or the lowly Detroit Tigers, or any one of those clubs, you haven't lost a game yet. Hope springs eternal in February and March. And then in late March, because the Mets do start the season home opener against the Milwaukee Brewers on March 28th. Yankees also start on the 28th on the road in Houston. Then you get what's called a reality check. And then all those wonderful things that you said back in February and March become silly. I'm hoping what Daryl Strawberry said yesterday does not turn out to be silly, but I just don't see it. But there's a lot more important stuff going on today, a lot of important stuff. Don't even know where to start. I guess we can start with Peter King dropping the bomb on this show yesterday. That was huge. I did not expect it. I really thought Peter would come on and uh, find a way to defend Mike Sapriconi. Because one thing about Peter, I love him. He's a very loyal guy, sometimes to a fault. You know, even Mozzie Pillip came out yesterday and said, you know, I think I made a mistake. Duh. She said, I probably should have gotten an endorsement from Donald Trump. You think so? <laughs> so, Pillup came to that conclusion yesterday. The problem is Tom Swazi was sworn in yesterday. <laughs> but um, getting back to uh, King and Sapriconi, when I bring up to King that Sapriconi, coming off the murder of this beautiful young girl in Georgia, and this guy who killed her, we had him here in New York, but with bail reform and all these ridiculous laws, no one pays any real price anymore. So I brought up Cuomo, and I brought up, of course, uh, Todd Kaminsky. But the big one was Letitia James. And all of a sudden, Nassau County yesterday sounded very pro-Trump, more worried about how Letitia James is treating Donald Trump. Now, that's not an accident, just so you know, because I know a lot of stuff. <laughs> I know what really goes on in the party. And I'm going to tell you something right now. 
that most of you don't know. Donald Trump has been following this race pretty closely. Donald Trump is up to what's going on in this case, and Donald Trump does not like Mike Sapricone. Obviously, I don't care if you donate a thousand or a million, you donate money to Letitia James, Donald Trump ain't going to like you. He's not going to forgive you. Trust me. He'll forgive me for voting against him in 2016, which he knows I did. But you give money to James, you're dead to him. Dead. So all of a sudden, King makes his comment yesterday. And if you don't think that he knew that Donald Trump knew, then you're being naive. So maybe the Trump influence smacked Peter King and Nassau County right across the face. I'll give King more credit than that. And I'll tell you that Pete knows what's right and what's wrong. And you just can't endorse somebody like Sapriconi. But I'm telling you, and this is a fact, Trump has been following all this very, very closely. So talking about Donald Trump, it turns out that the Supreme Court will, in fact, take on the immunity case. Jack Smith, that piece of garbage, he wanted to go to trial as early as next week, Monday. Ain't going to happen. The Supreme Court will hear this sometime late April after my birthday, around the 22nd. We'll not get a ruling back till probably early June. That's a big win for Donald Trump because it delays this whole January 6th nonsense. So there's one win for Donald Trump yesterday. Yes, no? Oh, yeah, I would say that's a big win. Yeah. Big win. Now, what do you think the Supreme Court's going to decide? Don't know. Yeah. Well, obviously, you don't know, you dummy. Well, you asked I'm me, asking so I'm you just what telling you. I think is going to happen. I mean, I, I really don't know. <laughs> it's hard to know because oh, yeah, you have yeah. to, you, there's nothing to compare it to. What well, do you just, compare it to? Just, uh, there's nothing to compare it to. Just give me what you, you give me your gut feeling. Uh, my gut feeling tells me the president might lose this case. All right. Fair enough. That's all I wanted. You're probably right. Um, but, uh, like you said, it's a big win just to have it delayed. That's a big deal. Yeah. Then you get this, uh, this idiot in Illinois. You know, Colorado did it. Maine did it. Now Illinois is done. You know, he, by the way, he's still not off the ballot in Illinois. Then he's not going to be off the ballot. So these people continue to embarrass themselves and do what is really the biggest threat to democracy. All you hear from these liberal jerk-offs is, I can't vote for Donald Trump because he's a threat to democracy. Is there any bigger threat to democracy than keeping a candidate off the ballot, Noam? Any bigger threat? I would say no. Right. So now Illinois jumps in yesterday, and you would expect that Illinois and Maine and Colorado, all these places, will all suffer the same fate. He's going to be on the ballot, and he's going to win. Agreed? On whether he's going to win or not? Well, he's going to win the primary. Oh, yeah. I thought you meant the general election. Well, we don't know about that yet. We, we think he's going to win. I think he's going to win. Depends. I mean, Nick, you know, Nikki Haley yesterday, I mean, I know that she's been a, um, she's been tough to watch. But for her to come out yesterday and throw Donald Trump in that sentence with Clinton and Biden and talk about how nobody is above the law and basically saying that Donald Trump should be in jail. I mean, Nikki, she is going to really, really brutal extremes. And I'm telling you, and I've been right about this the whole way. I've been right about DeSantis. I've been right about Haley. I've been right about Trump. I've been more right than anyone, anyone. I am telling you, 
that if she has designs on 2028, the longer she stays in this race and the longer she continues to say things like she said yesterday about Trump, the more she is guaranteeing she has no future in the Republican Party. None. Agree or disagree, Noam? I think she only has one way to go. She has to lean in and go after Trump. Otherwise, why is she staying in the race? Yeah, but why do you have to go to that extreme? You got yes, he, he he's not above the Lord. I mean, just say, look, Super Tuesday is coming up, and I'm confident there's 15 states that the American people. But why go to that extreme? Because the people who are giving her all the money to run that campaign wanted to do that. Okay, that so that money goes away if she doesn't lean in and talk about how much she hates Donald Trump. All that money disappears. She's off the campaign trail. Because Democrats are giving her money, Republicans are giving her money, but it's the, they want her there to bash Trump every day. That's what she's there for. Tell me about this. Uh, Nancy Mace will join me at 8.15. I had Jim Jordan on yesterday. There's Hunter Biden deposition. I guess he, he tried to say that when he said his father was sitting next to him and he asked for $5 million, which he got, by the way, he got the money, that he was high and he was drunk right. and his father really wasn't there. Yet, yet, I got to be honest. There were times when I was high and I was drunk in my life of recovery, and I look back at texts that I wrote, and the English was broken. It was it was hard to, to read it. It didn't make any sense. Hunter Biden's texts were perfect. Didn't seem like a guy that was high and drunk to me. What about you? Uh, no, and what Comer, you know, which, well, James Comer will tell you that this testimony yesterday included claims that just contradicted testimony from other witnesses. And so now it's going to go all public, right? They'll have this public hearing. They'll lay this all out so we can all see it. When is uh, that public hearing going to happen? I don't know. I'll have to find out for you. All right. Uh, probably soon, though, right? Yeah, very soon. Okay. Are you sad that Richard Lewis is dead? Yes. Well, yeah. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> no, you don't. You told he me. He annoys me. I mean, he's, he's Jewish, and there were times I laughed during Curb, I guess. I think I even laughed once or twice during Anything But Love, but after a while, his shtick, it actually, it actually made me anxious. i got to be honest. I mean, it was like, okay, Rich, I get it. I mean, I don't want the guy to die, but yeah, I wasn't you, a huge Richard Lewis fan. 76. Yeah, that's kind of young. Oh, my God, you sound like my mother. <laughs> yeah, 76 is kind of young. His sta- he was very good at stand-up. Was he? I never yeah, saw him. Yeah, he was a great stand-up. I never saw him. I mean, I know you're supposed to do it. And again, if I had a picture with Richard Lewis at some point in my life, I guess I would have posted it. But I don't. But uh, we'll play some Curb Your Enthusiasm for the Richard Lewis fans out there. I do have this. Mark Levin, the great one, Mark Levin, sent me this yesterday. And it's on my Instagram page this morning. At Rosenberg.Sydney. At Rosenberg.Sydney. And my Facebook page, Sid Rosenberg. And it's a picture, mind you, of uh, a split picture of Joe Biden and Menachem Begin. And it reads like this. In 1982, then-Senator Joe Biden confronted the late Israeli Prime Minister Menachem Begin with threats to cut off aid to Israel. Begin forcefully responded, quote Menachem Begin, don't threaten us with cutting off your aid. It will not work. I am not a Jew with trembling knees. I'm a proud Jew with 3,700 years of civilized history. Nobody came to our aid when we were dying in the gas chambers and ovens. Nobody came to our aid when we were striving to create our own country. We paid for it. We fought for it. We died for it. 
We will stand by our principles. We will defend them. And when necessary, we will die for them again with or without your aid. Bang, Menachem Begin. And even all the way back to 1982, 42 years ago, 42 years ago, Joe Biden, no friend of Israel. Right or wrong, Norm, there it is, right there. There it is, right there. He was on, when he was on Seth Meyers the other night, he called himself a Zionist. He said, I'm a Zionist. A Zionist. He said it though. Yeah, you can say whatever he wants. He's a jerk off. Nobody not, likes him in Israel anymore. They hate his guts now. Well, it's probably split like it is here because it's no, split it's there. not split. Israel is becoming, unless you don't believe Alex Trayman, your guy. I don't. Okay, you don't believe him. Okay, because according <laughs> to him, Israel is becoming a uh, right country like well, we are here. That's true. No, for sure, the, there's a right wing government in power. No, but no, the still... more they, they are moving further to the right. Oh, the everyday people. I would guess that's people. true as well because people after that attack, people tend to they want a reaction. Okay, from the so government. they're moving to the right. Why would they like Joe Biden? Well, Joe Biden was there. You'll remember in the week or two they're, they're after done the with, attack. They're done with that. that they, they loved him back then. You're right. It's kind of like when George Bush stood on top of the wreckage after 9-11 with the bullhorn, his approval rating was 97%. When he left office, it was like 20%. Right. Yes, when Biden went to Israel, excuse me, he didn't go to Israel, but he had that ridiculous press conference on Fox and talked about some bubble mindset with gold in my ear, and you idiots bought it. Yes, people loved it. It took about three weeks when a lot of those people said, he's a liar. He doesn't have our back. He's not pro-Israel. So don't give me when he was on Fox News, when he went there. A lot of those folks did buy it back then. They're not buying it anymore. That may be true. But the level... No, it's 100% true. The level of funding has not changed from president to president to president because that Israel lobby, APAC, is so incredibly powerful yeah. that it doesn't change. So, See, But here's what you don't understand because... And ask your father about The this, money hasn't gone away. In other words, those about, American dollars are still going the, there. It's not about the money. It's not about the money. Israel right now needs, it's about what you're saying about the country. Yes, the money is still there. It'll always be there. But Israel needs somebody to stand up and say the right thing. Not one day be on their side and the next day worry about innocent Palestinians. Donald Trump would not be doing that. Donald Trump would say, hey, Bibi, do what you got to do. That's it. It's not about the money. Israelis aren't angry about the money. They're angry that from one day to the next, they can't count on the American president to really have their backs. And that's a fact. They're angry that the wrong country is dictating terms. Yes. It's that's, not about the money. That's what they're angry yeah, about. Yeah, you want to give Biden... It's like Michael Goodwin tried to sell me one day, almost killed him. <laughs> Look, Joe Biden sent boats to Israel. Are you nuts? It's not about the money or the boats. It's about what you're saying. Because every country in the world clings to every word this stupid asshole says, the American president, and then they jump on board with him. And when he starts talking about dead bodies in Gaza, that is not good for Israel. You understand all that? I do. But I'm well, just saying. Like <laughs> I do, but I mean, I'm just saying like that there's one thing that he says, and then and then, then there's the financial support that we they would not. With the money. But they wouldn't survive without it. Okay, great. If that money went away, all that so military just, might would go away. Just, the Iron Dome would go away. All that well, stuff would go away. But you just said it. Every president has given Israel money. He doesn't yeah. get any more credit than anybody else. No, that's what I'm saying. It does. The, they always try to make Israel an issue. And if you look at White House to White House to White House over the last 70 years, the policy hasn't changed. They continue you to support Israel. No matter what they say, behind no, 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 the scenes, no, no, they're supporting no, them. You can't, in a time of war, you can't go no matter what they say. 
But, but there's been other times in war. God, what side are you on? I'm not on anybody's side. I'm just. Oh yeah, you are. Don't, don't give me you, the money. You, thing. You've said that that uh, Biden back in whatever in the '80s said this thing about Menachem Begin and taking away the support. But the truth is, the support has never gone away. It's yeah. always been there. Okay, but if th- that doesn't mean that Biden's heart is in the right place. Oh, I don't know. Because he's following is. suit. What do you mean you don't know? What he says is where his heart is, Noam. Right. What do you mean you don't know? Well, he, we know where he, this is where he stood from day one. He wants a two-state solution. He's been very clear about that. Okay. And whether you agree with that, that's, you know, one thing or another. But that's it always been his policy, as he wants okay, two well, that, states to live side a, by that's side. That's not a pro-Israel policy. Nobody who loves Israel wants a two-state policy, except for people like you. Nobody wants. <laughs> I've that. never, I've never said how I feel one well, way or another. Well, you, 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 you have found a way because he's given money to Israel, like every other president, to somehow defend Joe Biden. This segment, <laughs> well, yes, I wasn't defending him. I was just saying that the have. financial support has never changed. Uh, always uh, uh, did I mention, did, did I start any of this conversation talking about financial? Y- support? You did. You said you said that Joe Biden back in the eighties told Menachem Begin that he could take it all away. Correct, because that's what he wanted to do. Right. Whether he did it or not, you know, he's, never got pe- he's got people to answer to. So the United States policy is United States policy. Right. He's got people to answer to. But that's not the, 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 the argument at, at its stake here. What we're talking about is how does Biden really feel about Israel? And time and time again, whether it's 1982 or 2024, you see the real deal. He couldn't give a rat's ass. He doesn't care. I'm your he nightmare. wants he wants votes in Michigan and Minnesota. That's all this creep cares about. That's all. That's the point I'm making. I'm not going to give him credit for giving Israel money. Everybody does it. And by the way, it wouldn't even shock me if he found a way to take that away. It wouldn't even shock me. I'd be more surprised if he kept the money going. I'm waiting for the day, and so are Israelis, that Biden makes an excuse to stop some of that money. Not all of it, but some of it. You guys are giving him too much credit. He has no idea what his position is. It goes. Yes, back he more. does. Stop with that, Tom. I, I know. I'm not, I'm, I am. I am I, listen, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to call him just this crippled old man who has no idea what I, he's doing. Not what I said. Yeah, that is what you're saying. No, he knows I, what he's doing. No, he knows I'm what just he's saying doing. He's not making the decision. Yes, he is. Yeah, yes, right. he is. Yes, okay. he is. Because when, when you say he doesn't know what he's doing, he's not making decisions. I'm not making excuses. Th- then, 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 yes, you are. No, I'm not. Yeah, you are. No, I'm not. I'm saying the guy should not be in office. Right he is making the decisions. He knows exactly what he's doing. Yes, he's got a bunch of idiots around him, but I'm not going to say, oh, he's an old, demented man, doesn't know what he's doing, doesn't know where he is. He knows what he's I'm doing. I'm just saying it's part of it, and it's not an excuse. I'm not even going there. It's, I, I, he's an idiot. I can't stand him either. 40-plus he... years of proof, Danny back to Menachem Begin, that if it was up to him, was up to him, he wouldn't send a penny to Israel. Oh, right, but Not I'm a talking, penny. That's then. I'm talking right now. Even right now, he's doing the same thing he did 42 years ago. Every time you see him, does he look like somebody who should be running a Listen, country? I don't want, no. Okay, okay but, well, but, that's one but thing I don't I'm want. Saying. I don't want to hear it. If I'm talking about fe- uh, a national policy, I don't want to hear, doesn't know where he is, doesn't know, because then I, you're making an excuse. That, I'm not excusing the decision-making that's going on. Okay. I'm saying that's one of the things, part of it, is the guy can't make it up the stairs to the airport. Plane. Uh, he, and that is a problem. It is, is a, a problem. Huge but again, problem. I, I don't even want to cover that anymore. I'm tired of it. I got because you. every time I you bring that up, that whether you want to believe it or not, that's an excuse. You're okay. making an excuse. All right. Because no everybody excuses. believes that. I no mean, excuses. Yes, but it is absolutely affecting what the other countries are doing in their decision making by looking at him. If he was if he was making decisions and doing things now that he'd never done before, and you want to say, well, now he's got dementia, he's very consistent, Joe Biden. In 40 years, he's done nothing 
I mean nothing. And 42 years ago, he was breaking Israeli's balls, and he's still doing it. So the dementia doesn't play in this specific okay. conversation. Okay, and if he wasn't this, this, in this condition, he'd probably be making worse decisions. That's how I agree with you. <laughs> yeah, but I'm just... Probably. But, yes, but, but I'm saying we, we, we got a major issue with this guy who does not look like he should be running a, a, a dog-catching uh, company. Well, he's still he's, the pre- he's the president right now. Okay. And as long as we continue to have this type of policy... And this type of rhetoric, when it comes to Israel, he's the guy that takes the blame. That's the bottom line. That's I, it. I agree. With it, it doesn't matter. Right. Uh, everything That's else true. is uh, is great for, for talk radio and, and for Democrats to defend him and feel bad for the old Grandpa Joe. But he's in charge right now, and he's made a mess, a mess of the world, and he's no friend of Israel. Not even close. Not even close. In fact, him and Obama, the two of the most two creeps, may be the worst presidents when it comes to Israel. In the last 30 years, the worst, the absolute, and I don't care about the money. God, the money. Give me a break. Brian Kilmeade, Curtis Sliwa, Alan Dershowitz, Nancy Mace, Bill O'Reilly, Rudy Giuliani. What a show coming up today, folks. Keep it right here at Sid and Friends in the morning. You've had an accident. Trust Gabo Law. Personal injury and medical malpractice attorneys with decades of experience who will provide the attention you deserve and deliver the best possible results in the shortest amount of time. Gabo Law has recovered millions for their clients and will be able to help you. But don't take our word for it. Read all of their five-star reviews from former clients on Google, Avo, and Facebook. Call Gabo Law today at 800-560-0214 for a free consultation or email at Info at GoboLaw.com. Gobble Law, where winning is no accident. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. 77 WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. Oh, I could hide beneath the wings. Of the bluebird as she sings The six o'clock alarm would never ring What's it ring? And I rise Wipe the sleep out of my eyes My shaven razor's cold And it sings 
couple of weeks ago, we did a whole nice tribute to the monkeys. Forgot why. Oh, it was Peter Tork's birthday, I think. Yeah, either the day he died or right. his birthday. Now I forget. Now we've got another member of the monkeys. Some significant day today, a birthday or a heavenly birthday. What do we got today, Lewis? Today, the day that um, Davy Jones passed. Oh, Davy. Davy took, uh, we talked about this last time, Marsha Brady to the prom. Yes. Yeah. That, those halcyon days. <laughs> yeah. How long has Davy Jones gone? 2000, 2012. So he's dead 12 years. Right. Yeah, a long time. So, yeah, 1945. Dr. Math. 1945 is 55 plus 24. He'll be 80 uh, next year if he right. survives. Right, but he, what, what year did he 60, die? He was 67 years old. Yeah, 67. Massive heart attack. Massive. Yeah, that's how it's worded. In... As opposed to when you die of any other heart attack, is <laughs> no, that a mild sorry, one? Massive <laughs> yeah. heart attack. I think it was just came out of, maybe out of the blue. No, I, I mean, know. there are people that survive heart attacks all the time. Right. Thank God my brother-in-law, Albert, survived one. Thank God I love him. About two months ago, uh, Richard Lewis actually died of a massive heart attack. All kidding aside, yesterday, the day before, I don't know, 76 years old. So I feel compelled to play this because a lot of you uh, loved him. I mean, I was okay with him. It's not like Ronnie Dangerfield for me or Richard Pryor. But uh, here's Richard, uh, Richard Lewis doing some stand-up. These are orgasm jokes, which are always good at 637 in the morning, this uh, Lewis is Richard Lewis, cut number 15. I'm a hypochondriac. I'm susceptible to everything known to man. And my doctor called me yesterday and he went, absolutely no phone sex. Okay, you know, and uh, although phone sex is a nightmare for me, I'm in my hotel room in Oklahoma City there. I'm wailing away. I always have this paranoia that the, the woman's like, you know, in a kitchen making a beef goulash while I'm on the phone, you know. <laughs> You know, and I never have an orgasm healthily. I mean, uh, I just, you know, I usually, basically, I just do impressions of other men enjoying themselves, which is sad. <laughs> the best one in the last three years, I do Gleason. <laughs> oh, that's good. That was uh... sad. <laughs> then I started getting angry. You got to get in touch with your anger, you know. I started getting, hey, man, I was pissed off. She didn't love me anymore. And I started running out of terms of endearment. It's sad. I, I call the breast mutton Jeff, which was sad. You know? <laughs> All right. So here's, uh, here's one more. This is, again, he was on that show, Anything But Love, with Jamie Lee Curtis back in 1989. That lasted four seasons. But the TV show where Richard Lewis really gained immense popularity was certainly Curb Your Enthusiasm. Here's uh, an old scene where he was arguing with Larry David on an answering machine. Richard Lewis, cut number 16. I came up here for the tape, and thank you, but I... I uh... Oh, God, I hate doing this, because, you know, you always, you always take it the wrong way. You've taken everything the wrong way ever since I'd known you. Seven years ago, I was in Paris, and I remember exactly... Forget Paris! All right, you stole my uh, outgoing message on my answering machine. What are you, crazy? How long? I mean, this is... Uh, listen, what are you, nuts? I know you're ethical. Huh? I'm ethical. We don't, you know, when people steal jokes, we f***ing hate that. But I hate when people f***ing steal my outgoing messages. <laughs> you, I remember calling... You don't it. even know what you're talking about. You are you so You have my things. same answering machine outgoing message, and it that's, bugs that's me. That's my message. I didn't get that message. You wrote it in Paris. You wrote it in Paris. I had that message seven years ago. years ago. You know what? I, I wrote no. it seven and a half years ago. I, he sounded like me and Noam last segment. Yep. 
<laughs> you should play that for Alan Dershowitz. He's also yelled and screamed at Larry David, and Alan's going to join us coming up at 7.45 this morning. You know, so. the other the, the fu- a funny thing about him, too, watching his stand-up, was how he looked like he was being plagued by all this horrible stuff. He would go, he would walk back and forth on the stage, bent yeah. over. He made me nervous. Just, yes. He was riddled with anxiety. But it kind of added to one of his jokes. Like, uh, I, I can't even have sex anymore. <laughs> I can't even do that. I can't. Yeah. He, had, like, he was like a bent over Rodney Dangerfield. He, he was like was, the uh, stereotypical Jew, is what he was. Still just watching We're anxious come. about everything. We're nervous about everything. We're all hypochondriacs. <laughs> We're all dying every day. That was Richard Lewis, and I like them, don't get me wrong, but for me, this is just for me, he was, Richard Lewis was not great. He was, was too, good. too frenetic for you. Like, yeah, too, too much for okay. me. Yeah, okay. a little too much for me. I got you. And um, I me, mean, when I talk about the great comedians, I talk about Rodney. I talk about Pryor. I talk about Eddie. Not uh, Rich, but he's good. Richard Lewis was good. And uh, I'm sad that he's dead, I guess. I don't Rest know. Rest in peace. Rest I don't in even peace. know. Yeah. That, that, I, don't even, I don't even know. That's, <laughs> I don't remember the last time I saw Richard Lewis do anything. Right, can you give me more of a better eulogy when I'm going? Let's put it know, this way. Let's put it this way. I kind of like Lewis. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. it's not, but I mean, I'll leave it at this before we go to Joe Nolan and Brian Kilmeade. I'm more upset today about the death of Richard Lewis than I would be if Joe Biden died, okay? There you go. <laughs> okay. Well, well, he's got to feel so much better up in heaven right now. That makes, what, four of us? <laughs> oh, that's so great. Oh, yeah, he likes me more than Biden. Oh, that's really this is Sid on Sports. Oh, my goodness. Sponsored by Peerless Boilers on 77 WABC. Justin Ellick here with your bottom of the hour sports update sponsored by the great Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers. Go to PeerlessBoilers.com, PavilionTankless.com to find a dealer near you. They are the world's best built boilers. Uh, we welcome Pete into the studio this hey. morning. Uh, in the NHL last night, Artemi Panarin had two goals and an assist. Igor Shosturkin stopped 30 shots at the Rangers beat the Columbus Blue Jackets 4-1 to last night at the Garden. Chris Kreider had a goal and an assist, and Adam Fox also scored for the Blue Shirts, who won their sixth straight game at home and 11th in their last 12 overall. New York first in the East, improved to 12-2-1 in the last 15 games, three nights after having a 10-game winning Streak snapped at Columbus on Sunday. Kreider and Panarin scored empty netters 41 seconds apart in the final minute. Kreider got his 30th, the third straight season. The veteran forward has achieved that milestone. And Panarin increased his career best total to 35. The Rangers have 83 points tied with Vancouver atop the entire NHL, though the Canucks have played one more game. Panarin's first goal of the night was the 250th of his career, which included two seasons with the Blue Jackets before he signed a seven-year free agent contract with the Rangers in July 2019. Really feels like yesterday. Uh, Panarin leads the Rangers with 82 points and has points in 48 of New York's 60 games this season. The Rangers finished February with a 10-1-0 record, outscoring opponents 40-22. Looking ahead to tonight on the ice, the Islanders return to action on the road, set to face off in Detroit against the Red Wings at 7 p.m. No local action last night in the NBA, but tonight both the Knicks and Nets will return to the floor. Both tipping off at 7.30 p.m. The Knicks will host the Golden State Warriors, while the Nets welcome in the Atlanta Hawks. And down at MLB Spring Training today, the Mets host the uh, Houston Astros for a 6.05 p.m. first pitch, and the Yankees They'll get the Miami Marlins a bit later at 6.35 p.m. That is sports sponsored by Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers. Go to PeerlessBoilers.com, PavilionTankless.com to find a dealer near you. They're the world's best built boilers. Thank you, Pete Morgan, for the warm bagels, the fresh warm bagels this morning. I'm Justin Ellick on 77 WABC. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. 
Thursday morning here on Sid and Friends in the Morning. And, man, am I happy this guy is back. An extra five hours of work last week, which was fun, but I could have done without it. This guy does a tremendous job after me, 10 to noon every weekday, and I missed him. Of course, he does a great job on Fox and Friends every morning on Fox News and his own amazing television show, One Nation, after my good buddy Mark Levin, 9 p.m. on Saturday nights on Fox News. He's the man, the great Brian Kilmeade. Brian, welcome back. How are you, pal? Uh, good, uh, Sid. Thanks for working that extra hour. I appreciate it for a week, but I'm back from Australia. You went to Australia? Yeah. Did you my, go to uh, my daughter's going to school there, so <laughs> I wanted to go uh, visit her in action. So I figured I could do a week with um, plus or minus a day. So we did about eight days. So uh, I'm back. Well, your daughter goes to school. In, is it Sydney? Is it Melbourne? Where is it? Sydney. Yeah, Sydney just for a semester. Really impressive, man. I mean, uh, they actually had to go to school. I thought it was going to be, hey, just travel around. She's like, no, I can't miss any school. I said, all right, we stayed mostly in Sydney. Yeah. But it was very, very impressive. What is the uh, migrant and homeless situation like in Sydney? <laughs> oh, it's hysterical. Get this. They had a big uh, immigrant. I hear the tease on the news, and I say at a local news there, and it says, coming back out, the latest immigration problem that's going to cost somebody their political future. And I'm thinking to myself, immigration, excellent. So I'm sticking around. They come back. Big debate on what to do with 50 people. 50 people that arrived in a boat. <laughs> Australia left them in an island to hold, and everyone's debating back and forth what to do with them. Yeah. And who's going to pay to ship them back? I well, it all starts somewhere, 50. though, Brian. I know 50, but it starts somewhere. You just you never know. I figured you were going to say there was none, but 50, I guess, is a lot better than we've got here. And I'll tell you something. A couple of days ago, I was railing about New York, and it got back to me that the mayor, Eric Adams, was very upset with me. Now, I just had dinner with Eric Adams literally uh, two weeks ago, and uh, I'm scheduled to have dinner with Eric again this coming Wednesday night. And it got back to me. He was very, very upset. Uh, the next day, mind you, he came out and talked about, you know, changing the rules a bit of the sanctuary city in order to make sure that ICE can deport some of these bad guys. That kind of works for me. I'll take that. I mean, I don't want the buses here to begin with. I don't want to take any chances, turn the damn buses around, but I'll take that. It's a good start. But as it turns out, as you know, Adrian Adams and the city council, they're like, no. We're not going to do that. That's not nice. These are people, too. So my question is, at this point, if Adrian Adams and the city council can basically tell Eric to go shovel sand, what kind of power does the mayor actually have? He's got to go to the people. And and I'm sure you told him this. Uh, I would like to see all those city council pictures up there. And look, this guy's this guy's got is up to his ears anyway with the FBI investigation. And you say, listen, I just want to tell you. Uh, I, I used to think maybe sanctuary cities were a good idea because you want to give hardworking people a chance to speak out if there was crime in your neighborhood. But that was in 1988. Uh, and now we're looking at a situation where things are the worst in our the history of our country. I'm seeing the murder that took place of Lake and Riley. I'm seeing what happened with the stabbing, the beatdown, and boom, 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 boom. And this is the modification we need to have. Yesterday I found out it won't even be entertained. And I want to tell you why. These are the people that are saying no. Because a crime hasn't happened to them. They live at 89th Street. They live in the Upper East Side, Upper West Side. They got their personal bodyguards. They got their security. They're not maybe have kids in school that understand the school size has doubled. Most of these kids need special services that don't no longer go to our kids. I would go do it. The heck with that. You could be a, a mayor of the country instead of a mayor of a blue city. What does he have to lose? 
He's got nothing to lose. See, my issue is this with Eric, okay? He complains about the immigration issue and the federal government, but he very rarely calls out, and he went out and endorsed Joe Biden. He complains about bail reform, okay? But he goes out and he endorses Kathy Hochul. Eric Adams is always quick to endorse, and by the way, he said very nice things the last couple of weeks about Alvin Bragg. So he's quick to endorse Ugh. all the guys he complains about. I'll tell you something else, because I had Michael Kemper on my show about uh, last week, and all this subway crime is up. And people start yelling and screaming, well, there's a lack of cops. That's part of it, but Michael Kemper told me the truth. He said, Sid, the reason why subway crime is up is basically bail reform. We've got the same people committing 50 to 100 crimes. I arrest them. We arrest them. They're back on the subway the next day doing the same exact thing. So it's not just about cops quitting, not enough cops. It's the fact that these people commit the same crime over and over again, and they're let out literally the next day. Yeah. I mean, we are down about, what, 6,000 cops? And we are looking at record retirements and people even at 18 years saying, screw it, I'm not even waiting the next two, which is insane. But uh, it's, you know, and, and that is the big story in the New York Post today. One of it is a rise in subway crime directly related to the amount of cops that are underground with us. Uh, so uh, he goes halfway. I mean, we were just coming out of de Blasio where the best thing you want to do is you want to replace a coach like Bill Parcells did. Remember, Rich Kotite, they were one in 13. You want to come in there and take over a one in thirteen team. Mayor Adams was taking over a one in thirteen team. We were so hopeful with his energy that he got up, he showed up on time and had the police background, was at one time some people labeled him a conservative. I know there was some people that complained about his police background, that he was all show, uh no action, but just you want to replace Rich Cotite. No offense. I hear he was a nice guy, he's a terrible coach. <laughs> and he came in there and he's going halfway everywhere. And it's it, to me, it's frustrating because he's not clueless. I think, and I don't think he's gutless. I think that he needs somebody around him who's going to be just as tough as him and say, "Hold the line, do it." You could make a national career. You could become a national figure. Don't worry about what's going on. There is nobody in New York City who thinks these sanctuary city rules are are right outside the far left. And there, I'm telling you. This country is changing. The, the federal government is changing. The sincerity is up for debate. But you have a two presidents going to the border right now. This mayor beat everybody to the border a year and a half ago. He could, there's so many opportunities here for him to rise above and be almost the Bill Maher, uh, what he does for commentary as a left-wing liberal and has got everybody's attention. That's what this mayor could do as a legislator, as a lawmaker, as a political I see that. Don't you see the same potential? Oh, I see the potential. But you know what? Two plus years in, I like Eric. Uh, potential starts to go away. You know, year one is potential. Maybe the first 18 months. He's going into year three. And at some point, the word potential goes away. Uh, good point, too, that uh, both Biden and Trump at the border today. Uh, Trump will be in Eagle Pass. Biden will be in Brownsville. So let's get to national news here, Brian Kilmeade. And let's go 
right to uh, Jim Jordan. Jim Jordan joined me yesterday, talked about uh, the big day, the big deposition of Hunter Biden. Nancy Mace is going to join me later on this morning. But it did seem once again pretty much like another ho-hum day, like all the work these guys are putting in, Comer, Jordan, and they've done an extraordinary job, and they've got a ton of information that 1,000%, 1,000% takes Uncle Jimmy and Hunter back to Joe Biden. But it doesn't seem to me, Brian, like eventually we're going to get what I want to get, which is some type of impeachment, some type of real big issue for Biden. I think it's it's great to making Americans aware of what's going on, but I'm not sure there'll ever be any real type of repercussion. I think exposure will be the repercussion in an election that was really, you know, was decided by thousands of votes, you know, not even 100,000 votes. I mean, we're talking about, uh, you know, basically 20,000 votes. Well, in the PGE battleground states, for people to say, you know, that Donald Trump, I don't trust him. I don't do this. Well, wait a second. Joe Biden lied to us prior to getting this job when he had the job, which exposed over the last three years, showed he was part of every deal. Unless you thought he was calling in and showing up and buying dinner or not buying dinner, having dinner with all of his business partners just to talk about the weather. And if you expose the person who he is. By the actions he took and the denials he made, that could be the difference. And it, again, neutralizes the whole thing. You got a document problem with Trump. I got it. Shouldn't have taken it. Why have that problem? You're running it again. You don't need it. You're not setting up a library. But then you got a documents case with Biden that goes back 40 years. In my view, among the voters, it neutralizes the whole story. Now you have, oh, I got a problem with Donald Trump telling the truth to us. Okay, maybe you have a problem with it. Maybe you don't. But now I can tell you one thing. I'll give you all these examples of Biden, too. So don't act like you just you just elected the uh, the next Abraham Lincoln, <laughs> this transitional figure, the Grandpa Joe. If you look at these stories and you get these stories out and Bob Alinsky is going to be electric when he goes public. And I don't think that Hunter, outside the addiction stories, is going to be able to effectively kick out text message that says my dad is sitting next to me and he's not happy and we don't forget everything. You read those text messages. They're written in perfect English, clear sentences. He's like, I was high on drugs. Really? You're high on drugs. The American people will watch that, Sid. And they're so much more logical than politicians think they are. They know Fannie Willis is lying. They know his business partner was lying. They know that Nathan Wade was lying. I don't care what that judge says. That case is now diminished. The American people are the jury. As soon as it was clear that Republicans wouldn't have 60 senators, Republican senators uh, in the Senate, you knew any impeachment was going to fail. But I don't want to even go through the trial. I want this whole case exposed. And when people say to you, why go through the impeachment inquiry? It's because without it, you didn't have the subpoena power to get the players to give out the bank records, the documents, and force them to show up. That's why they did the inquiry. They had to ratchet up the level and the retribution. Brian Kilmeade here, wrapping up in a couple of seconds. Uh, first, we had Colorado. Then we had Maine. And now we've got I Illinois. I mean, these idiots, uh, a couple of women, actually, in these states continue to ban my friend from the ballot, they have to know that eventually the Supreme Court is not going to allow that to happen. And no matter what they try to do, they're not going to stop him from winning the nomination. Why do these states continue to embarrass themselves? 
they get their shots on MSNBC, and these nondescript actors get to go there. You know, I, this insurrection was so bad. Excuse me, he was never charged with insurrection. Well, we just had to do it. Well, you know, it's already being heard by the courts. We don't even need. Doesn't matter. Uh, you know, I, what's right is right. And do you know that he's still on the college? He's still going to be on the Illinois ballot. Of course. So it's not, this doesn't even mean anything. He's not even knocking him out. So this is just going to be a bigger win for the president. And this backs up. I don't know if you remember the court cases. They all get blended. But, you know, one of the problems the Supreme Court's uh, all the justices had is the precedent 20 years from now. You know, I, that guy, I didn't like what he was doing when he was younger. I don't like his uh, I don't like his fiery speeches. Let's say there's violence at a Los Angeles uh, a Los Angeles event that he has. Now, all of a sudden, California is going to ban the Republican or Oklahoma is going to ban the Democrat. You have to tell the country in all these states, it's not up to you to ban people. You know, uh, David Duke was on the ballot. Remember that? I don't think the guy ever disavowed the KKK. Nope. So we left him on the ballot. Because it's America, and if he's out of prison, and if he fits the criteria, he gets to run. He gets no votes, and he moves on. This guy gets a lot of votes, and that makes it impossible. This is going to be another win for the president, and I also think, as you know, the delay in the case helps. But the thing that's going to hurt the president, he's got to come up with $400 million now. Yeah. So he's got to come up with $400 million in a few days, you know, a few weeks. That is not going to be easy. Not It's easy for you, but you're not involved in this. Do not lend it to him. Uh, and I urge you, Sid, uh, yeah. let Curtis do that. Yeah. That's why Curtis has the money and sells the berets. That's right. All right? Uh, Both yes. stuff like this. Yeah, no, he's got a uh, – that's a lot of money. And uh, we'll see if it's a bond or if it's actual cash. We'll see. I'll see the president in uh, two weeks. I'll be down to Mar-a-Lago. Last one, talking about the president, not to pat myself on the back, but I told you guys months ago, months ago, DeSantis can't compete. Haley can't compete. I was right. He has walked his way right through this primary. Now we'll see what happens with the general election. But Haley, I believe, has really become an enemy of the Republican Party. To me, at this point, a vote for Nikki Haley is a vote for uh, Joe Biden. And man, did she get nasty yesterday basically saying that Donald Trump is not above the law and basically he should be in prison. I mean, Nikki Haley, I get it. I get it, sweetheart. You want to stay in there just in case Trump implodes and you get to be the next the next contestant on The Price is Right. But she is not helping herself, I don't believe, in 2024 or 2028. What do you think? Yeah, it's hard to project. I couldn't believe that comment. She said, you know, not Bill Clinton, not Donald Trump, not uh, Joe Biden are above the law when it comes to immunity. You don't have to weigh in on this case. Nobody needs you to weigh in. You don't have to weigh in. Let's go, listen, I, I can't follow the court cases. I'm, I'm trying to get a nomination. I got Super Tuesday to worry about. Totally unnecessary. That's just it. And when Gavin Newsom came out, Sid, and said, I hope she stays in as long as possible. She's our best surrogate. And that's why she has money to stay in. Now I'm going to, I'm going to, I know you don't like this, but Haley is a really good candidate. She's very competent, very smart, extreme experience, great personal story. I don't know if she thought this portion out, but when Ron DeSantis was on me two weeks ago, he said, I don't know what she's doing. And I go, what do you mean? He says, she's going for the 20% that don't aren't uh, going for Trump. She goes, you can't win that way. And she knew that. And I knew, you know, I know that. He, Ron DeSantis made a simple bet. The country is ready to move on. I do have his values. I'm younger, and I could do it without the controversy. And the country said, or the Republicans said, no. And he said, okay, I'm out. Nikki Haley says, I'll pivot. And that pivot, if the Trump movement ends where Trump ends, like the Tea Party did, she'll look smart. If it doesn't, she's over. 
She's over. Write it down right now. I'm pretty good with these things. It ain't you are good. Happen. I have to give you credit for that. <laughs> So, I mean, you did nail it. You did nail it right away. You said it. Well, listen. This we, is a, and, well, we don't want a, a rookie coach. I mean, she's not a good candidate. I disagree. Uh, she comes off at this point as being jealous and spiteful. <laughs> she's got no real experience outside of being a decent governor in one state. Uh, same thing with DeSantis. Great governor, one state, Florida. We are not in a position the way the country is right now to bring in a rookie. And Haley and DeSantis were rookies. Trump's got all the experience. He's a veteran. He had a great four-year resume under his belt. He wants to come back, give him the job. More importantly, who's coming up Saturday on One Nation? Well, I mean, we've got a big show coming up. Um, I have, we have a big show coming up your way now. Uh, I got an hour with uh, Speaker McCarthy, Mark Thiessen, Brett Baer, Mary Catherine Hamm, and Mark um, uh, oh. and Brett Baer. So that's going to be that's going to be cool in studio. So we're going to go over all this politics of it and, you know, uh, the angers over the top and uh, with Matt Gates and, and others, Matt Rosendale. And over the weekend, we're going to have this one guest that you absolutely love. She got canceled and she's back. Bad therapy. Why the kids aren't growing up. She found out all these therapists that were putting in all these schools to give these kids all these to deal with all the depression is making everything worse. Abigail Schreier is going to be with us. We're going to have a um a co-host uh, quiz with uh, Carly Shimkus, your idol, as well as uh, Todd Pyro, and and we got some other exciting guests. I actually don't. I think we're still working out the show, but it's going to be nine o'clock on Saturday night. And please date early. Date early. Come in at nine o'clock, <laughs> or come in at ten and DVR. Love it. I'll be there. I promise you that, Brian. It's great to have you back here on WABC. We missed you last week. Great job, buddy. We'll right. do it again next week. All the love. All right. Go get him, uh, Sid, and stay within yourself. All right, Brian. There he is. My man, Brian Kilmeade, coming up right after me, 10 o'clock every weekday morning. Does a great job here on WABC. Fox and Friends and One Nation, 9 p.m. Saturday nights on Fox News. We'll take a short break, come back with hour number two, and we lit up hour number two with the aforementioned Curtis Sliwa, Thursday edition of Sid and Friends in the morning. WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. We are not considering laws, changes to laws. These laws have been in effect for decades. If the council were to change things, it would impact more people, I believe, um, negatively than a small fraction of what we are looking at right now. It is becoming evidently clear that that is the real Adams that runs this city. Adrian, not Eric, the city council. 
Even if Eric Adams wants to do the right thing, and he doesn't always do it, I know that, but even when he wants to, the city council, which is really grotesque, never wants to do the right thing, ever. But here's my issue. I remember a couple of weeks ago, Eric was with Adrian Adams, and I've said this before. Eric bitches and complains about the federal government. Who's he talking about? Joe Biden. But what did he do about a month ago? Unprovoked. He enthusiastically endorsed Joe Biden. When Eric complains about bail reform and recidivists and poor Michael Kemper has got to arrest the same guy a hundred times on the subway, who does Eric want to blame? Kathy Hochul. Does he do it? No. No. In fact, in fact, he endorsed Kathy Hochul over Lee Zeldin. And if I'm not mistaken, and Curtis Sliwa will let me know if I am or if I'm not, just a couple of weeks ago, a couple of weeks ago, Eric Adams with Adrian Adams saying, here's my sister from another mother. I mean, these are all the people, Joe Biden, Kathy Hochul, Adrian Adams. He's also not that far removed, Eric Adams, from taking a selfie in the street with Alvin Bragg smiling ear to ear. These are all the people that are making this city garbage, that are making our lives dangerous every day. And I keep telling all of Eric's friends who yell at me all the time, if you're really a friend of Eric Adams, you wouldn't kill him on the air. Nonsense. I am a friend, but I kill him. I don't even kill him. I criticize him every now and then on the air because he's not going to fool anybody. If he really feels the way he feels, he needs to go out and eviscerate these people, call them out. Don't take pictures in the street. Don't endorse them. He had no reason to endorse Biden and or Hochul when he did. All he had to say was, look, I'm not endorsing Trump. I'm not endorsing Lee Zeldin. But I can't for the betterment of the people in my city. I cannot endorse these folks. He doesn't do it. He tries to appease everybody. And when you try to appease everybody, you end up appeasing nobody. Is that fair to say, Curtis? You uh, left a few minor details out. When he was in the streets with Alvin Bragg, who prosecutes people who stand their ground and turns loose criminals in our town, he was making the love sign. You know how he makes that love sign with his hands? Love. Yeah, love for Alvin Bragg and screw the rest of us. And then you mentioned there they were in the auditorium. He was given the state of the city address in Hustos Community College, where Spanish prevails over English in the South Bronx. That's right. And there was Adrian Adams, my sister from another. And meantime, she so was, he did say that, yes, right? Yes. And then meantime, she got up and said, yo, Eric Adams, who's your daddy? Oh. Who's your daddy? Oh. Adrian, oh. I'm your daddy. Oh. You may tag. We got you by the short hairs. We rule this town, the city council, and you got no juice. So let me ask you this. You run for governor. Governor, You run for mayor again. Hey, I can do that, too. Yeah, I know you can. You're going to win the primary easily. I don't care if they bring back Mateo. It doesn't matter. You're going to win the primary bring easily. Bring them on. We want a primary. Okay. So now you're up against either Adams or maybe, maybe Andrew Cuomo. Oh, please. Make it Andrew Evil. <laughs> <laughs> Cuomo, King Cuomo, the second, the son of Mario Facha Bruta, Cuomo, King Cuomo, the first. Hey, Andrew, I said the man, you team. And like your daddy, you are. Let's say you win, right? God is good to us. Yes. And my friend Curtis wins. Agent Adams is still there. Justin Brandon is still there. War. 
All these horrible city council members outside of maybe Ina Vernikov and Vicky Palladino are still there. Doesn't matter. It's war. Okay, but when you say war, can you win that war? Can it get any well, worse than it, it is well, now? Well, besides the word war, give me something practical you would what do. What is appeasement done? Well, what would you do, though? What, what would, would you do? I would say, guess what? You're not working with ICE. I'm ordering the police department today to take the plug, plug in the computer from ICE with two million terrorists on the watch list, and we're going to town. Go ahead. Take me to court. Go ahead. High noon on every issue. None of this appeasement. Eric Adams is an appeaser. Somebody said to me two weeks ago, one of his friends, they said, well, you know, clearly Biden is after him, the whole FBI thing, and doesn't really want to go to jail. I said, let me tell you something. Look at Donald Trump. Say what you want about Trump. He doesn't care. He's been indicted four times. He's the only president ever with a mugshot. Donald Trump doesn't listen to anybody. He's not afraid of anybody. That's why I love Donald Trump. If Eric Adams said, I don't care, put me in prison. Put me in jail. I'm turning that bus around. I'm going to smack city council right across the face. I'm going to do everything that you don't think I should do because the city comes first. He'd be a hero like Donald Trump, too. But he knows, man, he'd be somebody's Maytag in jail. Come on, admit it, man. This guy, come on. Me be a mate. Look, Donald Trump is mad-dogging in that photo. You know how many times I've been photographed, right, my mugshot. You got a mad dog. Trump knew right away. You don't smile. You don't have sort of an indescript look. You mad dog. You could see Eric Adams. He'd be smiling like he's always smiling with that stupid well, grin. What is your arrest number at right now? 80. No, you didn't get to 81 yet? No, no, no. I'm saving 81, 82, 83, 84 for Floyd Bennett Field, because you know what this spring. These well, Venezuelans are going to absolutely break wild out there. Well, tell me about that, because uh, now I may have a conflict. This is brutal. Coming up next Wednesday night, March the 6th, we've got a big meeting in Rockaway. Our dear friend Mary Glenn, Margaret Powers, the Rockaway Republican Club. It turns out that at least for now, Curtis scheduled to speak, I'm scheduled to speak, and our friend Cara Castronova, who got a big, big lift well, what's from your Peter conflict? King yesterday. What, meeting with Eric Adams? Is that your conflict? <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, yes. You That's so that? funny you said that. Oh, so you're going to choose Eric Adams. Well, it's not just Eric. It's the whole crew of oh, people. Oh, it doesn't matter. what. Yeah, your whole crew, right. Michael Kemper, today's lead story, New York Post, off the rails. New York City subway not violence surge not comes after police patrols plummeted into levels not since the Blasio not administration. His, not, not his fault. Yeah, it's Eric Adams' fault because okay. he's the one who decides. Well, why'd you mention Michael Kemper then? Because he's in charge. So you would rather <laughs> sit with them. You promised me a meeting with Kemper at the 2nd Avenue Deli, which is really on 1st Avenue. <laughs> you haven't delivered. Well, let's let's keep it where it is right now. Me, you, and Kara next Wednesday night at this uh, big meeting in Rockaway. And are you going to announce that night that not long after that there's going to be something with Floyd Bennett? I have no choice. They're invading the Irish Riviera. They're going door to door, knocking on doors. Hey, hey, amigo, food, food. I got. got, They want. They got channel changes in their hand. They're sitting on people's couches. Hey, can you tell me how to operate the channel changer? Well, you know what they're doing with that. So Danielle says to me yesterday, we got to hardwire the house. I go, why? I go, well, you just said it, Curtis. So these migrants, these son of a bitches, not only are they breaking into homes, yes. breaking in, yes. knocking on doors, asking for money, yes. robbing King's Plaza, yes. beating up people in the streets, yes. but now they've got... Beating this... up cops! I know. Now they've got electronics. You ready for this? 
it actually scrambles your alarm system. Yes. They can shut off your alarm system. And who warned everybody about this? You did. So I said, beware the Venezuelans. And now you can't deport them because Maduro has said we ain't taking them back. They're yours forever. You know, all the people that love you on this show, and you've got millions of fans. I, I mean this sincerely. This is as popular as the show gets with you. But they do take offense to that. The only thing you say, which is right there, they said, hey, I love Curtis. Curtis is the best. I like Curtis more than you, Sid, to be honest. But where he's wrong is... If Donald Trump was president, he could deport them, even the Venezuelans. No, no, he couldn't. You can't. You can't deport people to a country that won't take them unless you invade Venezuela. Now, it is true in 2018, Trump was on the verge of invading Venezuela to put the duly elected president in charge who had beaten Maduro. But for whatever reason, there was detente. He held off. But let me get back to uh, friends and foes. Let me tell you, Pete, I was so... I was so embarrassed the other morning. You had the three jackals, the three hyenas here laughing over the death of Flacco, the Eurasian owl, that hundreds of thousands, millions. He's got a Wikipedia of 22 pages, Flacco. 22 pages. My wife, Nancy, the animal welfare person here at WABC, mad-dogged you outside. She didn't give you the time of day. I'm walking towards the train on 3rd Avenue, so I'm on 50th. Nancy's walking towards the studios. Right. And to Curtis's point, she gave me a look like I raped her. Jeez. I mean, it was it was so nasty. Yes. And I said, let me guess, you're mad about the stupid bird. <laughs> I swear to God. And she gave me another dirty look and just walked right inside the building. Let me, let me make my case here, Pete and uh, Sid. Yesterday, you were oblivious to the fact that the man you eviscerated this morning, Noam Laden, was wearing a Temple's Owls throwback hoodie <laughs> yeah. because he went to Temple, the Owls. Yeah. You you are, you know what's went to Temple to see you know? Bill Cosby. Yeah, wait, forget Bill Cosby. Mark <laughs> Levin, your newfound hero, Mark Levin. I right? do love him, yes. Joe Kleckel, Dave Brenner, Daryl Hall, John Oates. Who knows if they're together forever? I don't know. They're wait, doing they, they both, is that, is that where they yes, met? Yes, that's where they met. Very good. They were the Owls. Very owls. good. Cuckoo. Yeah. Cool, cool. <laughs> I'm begging right. you to stop. And so I have uh, come who was the great Hall of Fame basketball coach there? Hmm. John Cheney. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, the old okay. John Cheney. You got me. You got me on that. Anyway. Oh, Zach Gelb went to Temple. Yeah, Bob right. Gelb's kid. Oh, here right. we go. Yeah. Trivia for Temple. Who cares? <laughs> Who cares? Oh, Broad Street. I'm going to Temple on Soccer Friday night for Shabbos dinner. Yeah, I'll tell you, you what. Go. You better wear a bulletproof body, <laughs> body condom in Philadelphia. Anyway. So, Nancy and I, to get back at you and your cackling uh, hens here, yeah, yeah. Justin Ellick and Wrong Way Lou Rufino, laughing at the demise of Flacco, we have commissioned one of the world's greatest sculptors. The world's greatest sculptors, he agreed last night, he is going to do a sculpture no, no, no. of the fallen Flacco. Please don't do this. And then he will cast it into a bronze statue. No, please don't do this. The, this is going to hurt you more. Is this Scott Lebedo? Yes. I knew it. Scott Lebedo. Well, if Scott Lebedo, here's what I'm going to do then. If he does this for this dumb bird, I'm going to what? not go to Mar-a-Lago in two weeks to watch his movie, The Relentless Patriot. And I'm going to make sure that Mike Tyson and Dana White coming with me and Chuck Zito don't come either. So here's the choice, Scott. You get me, Dana White, Mike Tyson, and Chuck Zito watching your movie with Trump in two weeks in Mar-a-Lago, or you make a statue of this stupid bird, and I'm out. This is what you don't understand. His mother, 
Karen Lebedo rescued animals his entire life. He has a three-legged kitten that he and his girlfriend rescued. You're on the wrong side of this issue. Let me tell you something. You cannot, you cannot turn your back on the greatest patriotic artist in our lifetime, Scott Lebedo. We have commissioned him. He is doing the clay figure of Flacco as we speak starting today. They have to send it to a foundry where it will be cast in bronze, and then it's going to be posted right here no, no, in no, front no. of WABC. You're going to have to look at it. You and the cackling hens, Justin Ellick and Wrong Way Lou Rafino as a reminder. What a disgraciado. What a oh, I can tell you this. Our mutual friend, another one of your great rebels out of Staten Island, has promised to relay the message I just gave you about Scott Lebedo to Scott, and that would be John o- Johnny Tobacco. And let me tell you something. Now, what's more important, the statue of the bird for Curtis or your movie with me and Trump? Uh, no, you'll be there because you want that lunch with Trump. <laughs> Don't be a liar. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to be a Mar-a-Lago. You want the lunch with Trump. Don't tell, don't tell me that. In the meantime, you know, this guy, right, he's sitting shiver for Richard Lewis. Great comedian. But with this guy, it's always Jewish comedians. When Pat Cooper, right, Pasquale Vito Caputo from Ole de Barre passed away from Brooklyn. Did you give him a tribute? Absolutely not. And analyze this, analyze that. What a great comedian. You never give your props to the Italian comedians, well, because only to your own Jewish that's comedians. That's because my friend Steve Sharippa didn't like Pat Cooper. Let me tell you something. You get that album, Our Hero, his first, 1965. We wore off the vinyl in the household. This guy, one of the greatest comedians of all time. And I like them. Riff. I like them. He was you on know, a number. You know, he loved me on Imus. He was a huge Sid fan on Imus, Pat Cooper. So you never pay him any respect. Yes, you never. I do. He's a fellow Brooklynite. He and is. he would rather go with Steve Sharippa, who claimed that he hit 18 foul shots in a row at Brooklyn College. Marquan am I? Since when? Yeah, Sharippa's at the foul line. 18 straight shots. What did he do? It Will Chamberlain style on the hand? Rip Barry style? Get out of here. Well, I got to thank now, you. How do you even mention both of them in the same, no, in the same wait, sentence? Make sure I mention Pat Cooper tomorrow at some point. Please, I'm begging you. Oh, oh but wait a second. The mother... well, I was about to thank you just no, now. No, I'm about to thank you. Okay. You provided the greatest moment in radio history. I did? With Peter King yesterday. This guy came on like the wartime consigliere. He's not Tom Hagen. He's the wartime consigliere for Chairman Godfather Cairo in Nassau County. Unexpectedly, in the middle of an interview, she had no idea you could tell. He dropped a bomb on the candidate that they had embraced. Uh, Scaramucci, Scarafoso, what the hell is his name again? Scafoni, well, well, what's that guy's name again? Uh, Mike Sapraconi. Yeah, a person of no consequence. <laughs> yeah. He executed him on the most powerful radio station in the nation from coast to coast. Well, that's why I was going to thank you, because after that happened, you said, wow, Sid, this is so big, I'm going to get it in the newspapers. And I have to be honest, the New York Post, outside of uh, Dory's column a couple of weeks ago, which was really tremendous, Dory Lewak, the whole Israel trip, they have not been very good to me. They constantly write stories about stuff that I say and never credit me. Let me, me. tell you They something. go, WABC host. You, you know, Sid Rosenberg, you, you bastards. You are a real Hazari, a real pig. What? Here it is. They did a full profile of you from Canarsie to the kibbutz right, yes. on a Sunday. Everybody read it. And he's moaning and groaning. I'm moaning. Yesterday, I called up Carl Campanelli. You got it done. I said, Thank Carl, you. can you believe this? You got it done. Peter King executed his candidate on air. 
With Sid Rosenberg. He said, how can he do that? They just embraced this guy. What's his name, Scaramucci? Scaramucci. His name is uh, Michael Saperconi. Here's a moment, if you missed it yesterday, because Peter King was on later in the morning, that Curtis Slewell is referring to. And I was shocked because I thought Peter, like he had done the week before, the week before Peter said, listen, I like Kara Kastanova, but I also like Michael Saperconi. I'm never going to say a bad word about Michael Saperconi. So I expected King to come on yesterday and continue that. And instead... I got this. Peter King's final message to Mike Sapriconi. Hey Mike, to your own good and for the good of the party and to make sure and for the good of New York and for the good of the presidential race and the congressional races here in New York, it's time to take your candidacy elsewhere. And you know what would have happened? He would have said at that meeting, hey, D. Esposito's at the wheel. He's going to take you home. Don't worry about it. <laughs> And then all of a sudden, the Esposito, the congressman, former cop. <laughs> Leave the cannolis. Right, would have been the wheel man. And then the next thing you know, they would have garroted him. Oh, that's His feet funny. would have been smashing out the, the plate glass that's window. Funny, that's funny. You know that Peter King was the wartime consigliere on that one. He's no Tom Hagen. On this station, the most powerful in the nation, on the number one show in the nation, Sid Rosenberg, he dropped a political bomb like you've never heard before on radio, TV, anywhere, anytime, any place, and it has had ramifications. Now today, today is the day. Well, what's his name again? The person of no Michael Sapricotti. Uh, whatever, Scarmucci, <laughs> Schifoso, whatever. Today is the day he has to decline the nomination. He was nominated by the, the state GOP. That the clock is ticking. Wait, we, so we hash it. What if he well, doesn't do it today? Well, and then the war is on. The war oh, is so on. he doesn't have to today. You're saying if he's going to step up and do the right thing, he should do it today. He's got to do the right thing. He'll never be able to walk out of his house again. Are you kidding? Peter King is like a member of the IRA. Not Listen, the Sinn Féin. I'm taking it a step. The IRA, I'm, Irish Republican Army. I'm taking it a step above Peter King. And you know I love Peter King as much as anybody. This is Trump. I'm going to tell Saperconi something right now he needs to hear. His diluted endorsement of Donald Trump... I'm going to tell him something. And don't ask how I know this. I just do. Donald Trump can't stand Saperconi. Donald Trump is furious at Saperconi. Anybody who says something nice, let alone donates to Letitia James, is dead to well, Donald Trump. Well, yeah, I dead. one caveat. He donated to all these Democrats, Andrew Evilize Cuomo, uh, Wrong Way Swazi. He donated to Tish James. He also donated to Todd Kaminsky. Right, Todd Kaminsky, who, remember, Bernard McGurk would come in every day when he was alive and say, Don't, never elect that guy state senate again. He's the author of No Cash Bail. He actually cost Laura Curran that race. Now, it turns out Bruce Blakeman yes. may be the best executive I, I, ever. I concur with But you. Kaminsky cost her that race. Anyway, you know what Donald Trump did? He said, did he donate to me? And then there was silence on the other line. No, not a penny. That was it. He sealed his fate. He's dead. And then he's had his own radio show on a station of no consequence out in Long Island where he was trashing Donald Trump on a regular basis. Hey, Sapricone, you better get out now. They're going to drop this big bomb on your head. You are going to get napalm. The wrath of Trump is going to be upon you. And you know something? You know who the conduit was? The peacetime consigliere on this for Trump? Andrew Giuliani while playing golf. Yes, you are a dead man walking out there. <laughs> Today is your day to decline the nomination, Sapricone. If you don't, 
people are going to drop on your head all the things you were bragging about when you went mano mano with Donald Trump. Remember, when you say it on the airwaves, it doesn't die. It doesn't die. According to our mutual friend, Curtis, Jennifer Harrison, Sapraconi has released a statement saying he's staying in the race. Bring it on. Staying in the race. Bring it on, Sapraconi. The wrath of Trump will be upon you. I know what that's like. I barely survived. You are a little pitcher, a little Shedrick. You better ask a rebate from Tish James to that $1,000. That's going to be the worst $1,000 you ever spent in your life. Well, listen, as big as Peter King is, and again, I believe in New York, him and Giuliani are the two greatest politicians. As big as Peter is, Trump is the biggest. Now we need Donald Trump to come out and say, hey, Sapraconi, do yourself a favor. Trump say it himself. Go home. Move out of state. That's how you get off the line, Sapraconi. You're either dead, move out of state, or they nominate you for a judgeship. Move out of the state now. Who knows what Peter King, the wartime consigliere, has in plans for you from Nassau County. Sit-in friends in the morning. Seventy-seven WABC. The closer team to winning a championship, the Yankees or the Rangers? The Rangers. I think the Rangers are. I think the Rangers have a chance. I think the Rangers are right there with anybody in hockey. I mean, they just had that ten-game winning streak, and you know what are you going to do? I think they had a letdown in Columbus the other night. But Shostakin is starting to play like Shostakin again. You know, ever since the All-Star break, he's been outstanding. I mean, he's had some unbelievable games. Uh, the, the game he had against Dallas last week, the game the other night on Saturday afternoon against Philadelphia where he's stopping two-on-none breakaways. Um, he's really, really playing well. Uh, you know, and look, Panarin's having an MVP Hart Trophy type year. Uh, he already has more goals in, the, uh, in a season than he's ever had in his career. Scored his 33rd goal the other night. That line with him with Lafonniere and Trocek has been terrific. Uh, you know, Zabanejad starting to get it together now. He was a little slow at the beginning of the year. Cried to keeps doing his thing. Eventually, number 20 is going to be in the rafters, I think, when all is said and done. Uh, the defense is starting to, you know, play well. Truba, you know, they had some, they've had, they had some rough moments. Though. I mean, the defense has been a little sloppy in Philadelphia, even the other night in Columbus. But uh, to me, this team is for real. WFAN legend, my dear friend Joe Beningo on this show yesterday. And um, like the soothsayer he is, Rangers go out, exact revenge on that Columbus team. That snapped their 10-game win streak a couple days ago. Beat him at the Garden last night, 4-1. to one. He mentioned Panarin, career-high 33 goals. Well, it's now 35. He scored twice last night. He mentioned Chris Kreider on his way to the Raptors, and Kreider scored his 30th goal of the season. Now, the Rangers have two guys with at least 30 goals. Adam Fox, a power play goal, and the Rangers get themselves an easy 4-1 to win. I was supposed to be there last night with two of my dearest friends, Joseph Takapina 
and Pete Morgan, Mr. Peerless Borders, Robinson be sitting right next to me. Couldn't make it. My wife, Danielle, came back from Europe the night before, so I wasn't about to go to a hockey game after she was away for nine days. But uh, nevertheless, I know Pete and Joe had a great time. And your thoughts on what Joe Boningo said? You know what, as a Ranger fan, it's like being a Jets fan or a Mets fan or so on. You just don't want to count any chickens before they hatch. <laughs> yeah. It's been 30 years, and before that was 54 years. So. Right. Once in 84 years. Yeah. That's it. Exactly. And we've had great you know, Last year, we thought we had a special team. Yeah. And, and the t- Devils wiped us out in the first round. Ten years ago, we had a, we were in the final and yeah, the kind Kings. of didn't show up. Yeah. yeah. So, I don't know. This is a better team than that team was, so. I they, so. they just are. They're, they're I know deeper. you had long quiz, but this is a better team. Yeah, they're deeper. And, um, you know, last night, there was, there was some signs of, of good things, but then the third period... I think we had one or two shots until the two empty netters at the end. Well, you're not going to play totally three great periods every night. You, you were up two to one, and uh, the defense played well. You know what it's like for me, Pete? It's like when um, uh, the Knicks were getting beat up by Boston. I was there Saturday night, and I see my friend Max Boyarski in, in, the, uh, in the club at halftime, and he goes, man, the Knicks are not playing defense. I go, no, Max, that's not what's going on. The Boston offensive players are better. See, there were two teams. So Jason Tatum is unstoppable. Jalen Brown is unstoppable. But we have a habit of doing is it's always our team's fault. We never give the other team credit. So if our offense went stale in the third period, but our defense didn't allow a goal, which was the case, yep. then guess what? It was a good period. And then we got two up the net goals later in the game. So I'm always... You know, you know, I've always been like that. It's like, yeah. you know, the Giants lost today because they didn't play defense. No, the other quarterback is really good, and they're playing, and they're getting paid, too. There are two teams out there. Yes. Every now and then, the other team happens to be better at something. Blue Jackets are one of the worst teams in the league, and we've True. lost to them twice. Well, we didn't lose to them twice. We beat them. We won last night, but the first two times we lost. Oh, we lost twice already this yeah, year. We yeah, we lost Sunday. And it was 2-1 to one last night. It was tight. So you're going, oh, my God, we're going to go 0-3 against Columbus. And the third period was tilted. They they were on the attack the whole time. I just think we played to the level of the competition. And we played yeah. Boston and some of the big teams. They played Florida Monday night. They're in Toronto Saturday. Yeah. And uh, those big are big week. challenges. That's a big week, you're right. Yeah. Right now, when you look at the conference standings, sitting all alone, one point better than Florida and Boston with 83 points, you're... New York Rangers. That's beautiful. You pumped up? I am. I, yeah. I hope we finish there and uh, have home ice throughout. It's really a three-team race right now because Rangers 83, Boston 82, Panthers 82, yeah. and you have to go back to Carolina at 76. So right now you got a really tight three-team race. Yeah. Exciting, right? It's great. It's yeah. great fun. Well, at least you won't have the Devils to embarrass you this year. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Easy there, Lou. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was easy. Oh, that sucked. Who is he, subbing his Joe Nolan here? What is this? <laughs> <laughs> he's, a, he's a disgruntled Islander fan. No, I'm happy. I don't care. My team sucks, and I know it. For every, <laughs> but every year. I mean, a couple years ago you were good when you had Barry uh, Trotz. Not every year. Four years, no one could touch Okay, them. you're going back 40 years ago. you so got to stop with that. You guys are going back 30 years. No, I'm not. Right now, the Rangers are the best team in hockey right now. Right now, been the best team in hockey since 1994. Who was? News for you, the Rangers. When you're the, when you hold the cup up, then you're the best hey, team uh, in listen, hockey. Listen, I get it. You, you guys were great in the 80s. You won four well, cups. You, you can't keep going back to that. You sound with it's 40 something years. I'm not going right back now. To the it. Rangers are a great team. They've been great the last couple of years, and the Islanders don't compete except for one year under Barry Trotz. I, I, Mike Bossy is dead. Mark Gillies is dead. First thing you got it wrong. Two years. They, they were they were finals. very good one year. And they okay, were in the conference finals. Yes. Two years. Yes. One right. year. Two conference years. finals. One year. No. Two they years. lost to Tampa. 
And they, they got eliminated Tampa, the round before. The they year. lost to Tampa twice in the finals. In the conference finals? Yeah. Yes. It was two years? Yes. And they lost, and the, and the second time was by an overtime goal. So why did they fire Barry Trotz? Because Lou Lamorello is senile now. <laughs> Everybody's senile. Yes. If Joe Biden doesn't protect Israel, it's because he's senile. If, maybe he's just an idiot. It could be both, yes. <laughs> I, know he, I know he won three cups with the Devils, but maybe the game has passed him by. No, there's, it does pass you by. Wait, what, one day I'm going to be there when it passes you <laughs> by. And guess who's going to be smiling? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Oh, 1994. <laughs> oh, God is there. You well, got the pressure on. Yeah. I'm sure you better get to the finals. Well, this the year. law That's has never passed Alan Dershowitz by. He's 85 years old. But the law has not passed them by. We'll talk to the great Durst coming up. Entertaining and informative. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. What he, he may have going with the justices is where to draw the line uh, for presidents. When is immunity applicable? That wasn't quite so clear from the lower court decision. But the real victory here for Trump, it deals with the calendar. You know, the the overriding push of Smith, the special counsel, has been to get a trial before the election. He's running out of runway. If this opinion doesn't come out until June, perhaps, you have to re remember that even if Smith wins, the mandate goes back to the district court, which has to handle all the pretrial motions. That could take months. Could, a couple of months could easily be eaten up, and then the trial itself could be three months. There's a standing DOJ policy not to have trials just before an election. So you're talking at, at the earliest, likely, late summer, and it could be knocking on the door of November. That's attorney turned TV star Jonathan Turley on Fox News. That brings us to the best constitutional attorney in the history of the business, my dear, dear friend, and right there with me, Mark Levin, and others as the great American voices for Israel, my dear friend Alan Dershowitz. Uh, Alan, good morning, buddy. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm great. So when I look at uh, what John Tully was talking about there, that's a big win for Trump yesterday that the Supreme Court has decided to look at this. And again, at the very least, it delays it. I know Smith wanted to go to trial uh, as soon as Monday, this Monday. That won't happen now till maybe June or July. So I think you'd agree. Big win in this one for Donald Trump yesterday. Oh, I think it's a bigger win than that. I think it's unlikely this case now goes to trial before the election. I think what the Supreme Court has basically said is we're not accepting election interference by a special counsel to have a trial without an appeal, just a trial down and dirty in order to influence an election. That's the number one big, big win. Number two big win. And this I run into all my academic colleagues who disagree with me on this. I think there is some degree of immunity for a president. 
And the question is how much and where? Now, his own lawyer, I think, made a tactical mistake when he answered the very, very provocative question. Could a president tell the SEALs to go kill his political opponent? The answer to that should have been, of course not. Now, let me explain why. Just like the answer when they asked the three presidents of universities, can you uh, allow a genocidal talk about Jews? Of course not. Now, let me explain why. He didn't do that. He fumfered and he mumbled. And he talked about, well, it depends on whether he's impeached first. Look, a president does not have immunity if he orders the SEALs to kill his opponent. But the president probably does have immunity if he seeks to have a different slate of electors presented to the Congress. And so I think what the court may very well do is split the difference and find some immunity and find some issues that have no immunity and then send it back to the Court of Appeals and say, all right, work this out with specificity, but not until you do that can there be a trial. So we may be talking about a trial uh, a year from now. Wow, that would be great. All right, stay on hold here, Alan Dershowitz. A lot more Trump talk and Israel talk. We'll come back with the great Alan Dershowitz. He's off to a great start already. More with Dershowitz. And don't forget next hour, Nancy Mace and Bill O'Reilly as well. More of Alan Dershowitz coming right back. and informative. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. When I call you up. All right, 8.02 on your Thursday morning, Alan Dershowitz. Maybe the greatest attorney ever. I know Joe Takapina is right there, but Alan may be the greatest attorney ever. That's a very, very bold statement, but I think it fits here. You know, Alan, the Democrats are always yelling and screaming that Donald Trump is a danger to democracy, which, of course, uh, is somewhere between sublime and ridiculous because it's the Democrats that do things all the time that show they're a danger to democracy. Let me give you an example. Colorado, Maine, Illinois. If those are not three classic examples of danger to democracy, that somebody there doesn't like Donald Trump personally. So we're going to keep him off the ballot, even though Jack Smith didn't charge him with insurrection because he couldn't because it wasn't. To me, Alan, that's the epitome of danger to democracy. I I completely agree with you. And it was proposed by my colleague, Professor Lawrence Tribe, who supposedly uh, is the great constitutional scholar. And he has been proposing what I regard as clearly unconstitutional mechanisms to get Trump. He's more interested in getting Trump than he is in interpreting the Constitution in a way that helps the American people in the way the framers intended. Look, I think we live in an age where both parties, both extremes, are trying to weaponize the Constitution, weaponize the law, weaponize the criminal justice system for their own purposes. Take uh, impeachment. Uh, The impeachment of Donald Trump, both impeachments were clearly unconstitutional. But here we may disagree. 
I think that the impeachment of Mayorkas right now on the record we have without him having committed or been charged with any treason, bribery or other high crimes and misdemeanors would also be unconstitutional. Um, look, I, I certainly favor looking into the, the, the Biden family and the businesses and all that. But unless they find treason, bribery, or other high crimes and misdemeanors, the idea of impeaching Biden would be tit for tat misuse of the Constitution. So I think both parties are misusing the Constitution. I want to get back to the time when the Constitution is for all people and it's neutral and it's objective. But we're not there. We're now seeing the Constitution abused. And there are just a few of us who insist that we maintain neutral constitutional law. I want to see the Constitution applied fairly to Donald Trump, even if I don't vote for him. I want to see it applied fairly to everybody. For give you another example. I spoke the other night at a temple in Miami. You know, I've been canceled by places like Temple Emanuel in New York, the 92nd Street Y, but welcomed in Miami. So there were protests, and people start screaming and yelling in the middle of my speech, and fights broke out. And I got up there and I said, look, they have the right to protest, but they don't have the right to stop me from speaking. So let's apply a neutral standard. I defended the right of anti-Israel, pro-Hamas people to get up and ask me a hard question, but not to stop me from speaking. It's that kind of analysis that I think is, 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 is required and is not being done. The Constitution can't be for me, but not for the. It has to be for everybody. That's fair. Uh, everything you said is fair. I may disagree with certain points of what you said, yeah, especially yeah. Mallorca's derelict of duty, blah, blah, blah. But what you said is 100% fair and what this country is um, is built upon. But let's get back to uh, you talked about the Hamas and you spoke at a temple. Yeah. Let's get to Biden and Israel. You know, uh, Mark oh, Levin yeah, sent yeah. me a uh, – it's old, I know, but it was uh, from 1982 – when President Biden said to Menachem Begin, listen, if you don't listen to me, I'm going to cut you off. And Menachem Begin said, hey, listen, buddy, Mr. Tough Guy, I'm not some weak-kneed Jew. I've made it through almost 4,000 years. Your threats don't concern me. I will die for this country like we've done before, and we'll do it again. Now, fast forward the tape 42 years later, okay? And Biden is doing the same crap almost every day. Now it's not Menachem Begin. Now it's your friend, Bibi Netanyahu, doing That's the right. same thing. Now, look, is the money still going for America? Yes, it is. Great. Weaponry, all that stuff. But to be threatening Israeli leaders for the better part of 40 years and trying to convince me that he's pro-Israel doesn't work for me, Alan Dershowitz. It doesn't work for me either. And I had my show last night was uh, I do the Dersh show two, three nights a week. My show was a warning to Biden. You are going to lose this election, and you're certainly going to lose my support. If you allow 200,000 Muslims, maybe only 100,000 Muslims and Arabs in Michigan to force you to change your views on Israel. Wait, uh, wait, wait, wait. You just said something important. You said force yeah. you to change your views. I'm trying That's to explain right. to you, you're smarter than me. He's never changed his views. He's been oh, the same no, way for 40 has. years. No, 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 no. Let me tell you, he said things like that. But in the beginning, on October 7th, he was very strongly for Israel. No, he wasn't. And he, no, he wasn't. I think he was. He, he, made, some he, he made up some cockamamie story about Golda Meir. And that day, when he first spoke to the nation, he never mentioned Iran. He never mentioned all the mistakes that he made, not one but two administrations. Why? Because he said, I'm there for Israel? I, Come I on. agree with that, but I would be satisfied if he went back to October 8th. To his views on October 8th, we will stand behind Israel, destroy Hamas. We're not going to interfere. 
But then comes Michigan, and his idiot advisors tell him, oh, my God, you may lose Michigan. 100,000 people will stay home. First of all, the Arab Muslim votes are not going to stay home. They're not going to vote. They're not going to allow Trump to be elected, number one. Number two, there's nothing Biden can do to satisfy these extremists who live in Dearborn, Michigan. They don't want a ceasefire. They want the cease of Israel. They want Israel destroyed. So it's idiotic for President Biden to turn or let's not argue about whether he's turned to remain against Israel in order to win Michigan. Because if he wins Michigan by turning against Israel, he loses Pennsylvania. He loses Arizona. He loses New Mexico. He loses Florida. He may lose Florida anyway, but he loses the election and he loses supporters like me and many, many others. And he loses evangelical Christians, many of whom are Democrat blue dog Democrats, blue collar Democrats, union Democrats who support Israel. So it's a terrible mistake of Biden to go against Israel in order to win Michigan. But that's what people were saying on CNN, in the New York Times, uh, right after the Michigan election, where 13 percent voted noncommitted, 13 percent, big deal, 10 percent did that in previous years. So there was an increase of 3%. There'll be more votes like that in more states. But remember, that's not the national election. In the national election, you have to decide Biden or Trump. In a primary, you can throw away your vote because everybody knows that Biden's going to win Michigan. Everybody knows Trump's going to win Michigan. So you can throw away your vote uh, and waste it in a primary. You cannot waste it in the national election. So the Democrats and Biden and the Biden administration as advisors are being idiotic. And we who support Israel have to persuade him of that and have to persuade him. You cannot count on our support if you give in to the Muslims and Arabs who will never, never accept Israel as the nation state of the Jewish people. I think you're right again. You nailed it all. This is why you're the best, Alan. Excellent, excellent job. And I, I still, you know, the uh, the book Get Trump is is great, especially right now with the four indictments going on and yeah. Trump in court just about every day. And then your newest book, The War on, on Israel, that uh, which uh, takes us all the way from the beginning right through October the 7th. That is also a great read. I mean, you've got two books out really right now, Alan, which basically speaks to the news of the day every day. Well, I have a third one coming out in one month. It's called The War Against Woke, and it's about college campuses and universities and how they're destroying America. So, you know, I am a writing machine. If I was 25 <laughs> years old, I'd be in Gaza today fighting yeah. against Hamas. I believe I'm that. 85 years old, so all yeah. I can do is write, but I'm writing like mad. And I'll have three books in one, week, in one year uh, based on these issues that matter so much to all of us. They're all huge issues. Once again, Trump the uh, Israel war and the woke culture that is, I believe, ripping at the fabric of our society. Alan Dershowitz, I love you to pieces. You're great. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. You're so good. Uh, We haven't talked about Brooklyn for a while, me and Alan, because there's so much other crazy stuff going on. We can't even talk about a lunch at Dubrow's, but we'll get to that. We'll take a short break. Noel's got the news, and then we got two huge guests about to pop up. Nancy Mace... She was there yesterday for the Hunter Biden deposition and the highlight of the week, the great Bill O'Reilly. Hall of Oates, Mace O'Reilly. Keep it running.
said we weren't going to do this, but since the left came to the microphone in the middle of the deposition, that I'm going to do the same thing this morning. The two things I'm going to say this morning so far in the first hour is that Hunter Biden is being defiant and also dishonest. And his testimony, some of it, is in direct conflict with other witnesses. And so the transcripts will be out. I won't go into detail. You'll be able to see it for yourself. But um, it's no surprise. It's no shock. Uh, that he is being that way. And in some cases, he doesn't recall. He said that multiple times this morning, which, again, is not a shocker either. But um, defiant and dishonest would be the way that I would describe his testimony so far in the first hour. That's my friend, the great congresswoman out of South Carolina, Nancy Mace. I had Jim Jordan on the show yesterday, and him and Comer and Nancy and a host of other House Republicans hard at work over these last couple of years trying to put this thing together. And they've, to their credit, amassed a ton of information. The good news is, Republicans like me, we care. The bad news is, the left, they don't care. They're like, whatever, they got nothing. Who cares? They got nothing. I hear it all the time. I mean, Alan Dershowitz was just on moments ago and said, look. When they give me something that sticks, we can talk. Until then, it's a lot of talk. And uh, that's how Hunter Biden treated it yesterday. It's unfortunate because I know they're all guilty, all three of them, Joe, Jimmy, and Hunter. I know it. I know it. But the onus is on my friends to prove it, and that is easier said than done, even with a ton, a ton of evidence. Nancy Mace, how are you, sweetheart? I'm good, sir. Good morning. Good morning. So um, we heard uh, what you said yesterday after an hour in. So before we get to specifics, overall, yesterday, one day in the books, Hunter Biden deposition, are you happy with it, unhappy with it? Do you think you got enough done? Do you feel like America cares? How did you feel when it was all said and done yesterday? I think America absolutely cares about corruption in every level of government. My frustration is. By the way, by the way, by the way, you, by the way, you know, the, the, you can't really answer that yet. You know, when you can answer that, November. If I hear one more yeah. time, we have no idea yeah. how America feels. If Joe Biden gets seventy-five million votes, then no, they don't care, right? Yeah. Well, I, you know, the data says that people believe what the oversight is doing in our investigation, but you know, he was clearly coached. And my frustration is, you know, it's just so convenient to say, oh, you do not recall when you don't want to answer the question or, you know, you know, when he wanted to answer the question, he sounded like the smartest guy in the room. He is a smooth talker. But when he didn't want to answer the question, he blamed it on his drug addiction. And, you know, and so it's like you can't have your cake and eat it, too. Were you either this savvy businessman globetrotter who knew everybody in the world and was doing all these deals where there's, there was no business happening, right? We all know that. Or were you just so conflicted because of the, the personal issues that you had that you couldn't remember anything? I mean, it just you can't. Yeah. It's not both. Well, <laughs> you know what I mean? Well. And, and it's going to be up to the American people to decide if they believe him because he mm. will come before the oversight committee. It will be a public hearing. But there's some interesting details that that and I can't go into detail too much because we promised we'd wait until the transcript was out. But, um, you know, he couldn't recall sources of income, shrugged off the diamond situation like it was no big deal. And a bottle of alcohol was worth more than the diamond. I mean, like just crazy stuff. Yeah. But he couldn't recall mm. where some of the income came from, couldn't recall the LLCs and their information, certain LLCs. 
Um, and then there's a credit card that will come up in the transcript. And I found it interesting. And, and so, um, you know, I have some follow-up questions with this. And now, you know, we are, as a, as a committee, going after those credit card statements and trying to get them and some foreign bank accounts. But yeah. this stuff takes time. And he's he's got this attorney, Abby Lowell, who also represents Senator Menendez in his cash and gold bar corruption case. You know, he's got, a, he's got a good attorney who's slick. These guys are slick, and they've sunk a lot of money into this thing to make Hunter Biden look like, oh, shucks. You know, your dad calling into business meetings and having business dinners is just a normal thing that every American does. It's not. I've never had my dad on a business conference call. I've never brought my dad to a business luncheon. Like, that's not a normal thing. It's right. not normal. Right. Uh, there were two diamonds, by the way. One, I know, was given yeah. to him by the, the, the mayor of Moscow, the wife. And then, of course, there's the Porsche that he got from Kazakhstan. <laughs> I mean, it, you can't explain any of this stuff away, but you can if you just go, I don't remember. You know, I will tell uh, you this. Wait, I, yeah, I'm, wait till we get to the Porsche discussion in that in the transcript. It's, yeah. it's fascinating. I know. Uh, listen, I'm not proud of this, but I have a very ugly drug and alcohol past. I've been to rehab twice. I'm sober now, thank God, but my past was ugly. And and I can remember vividly trying to text my wife when I was up for a couple of days and lying about, you know, coming home from a from a business trip. And I couldn't write the word the. I swear to you, I would spell it T-E-H-H-E-T. This is, Lou, you know this. So when mm-hmm. Hunter Biden says yesterday, hey, I was high. I was drunk when I said my dad was sitting next to me. The text that he sent out were written perfectly. Take it from a guy who's been there. When you're high mm-hmm. on cocaine and or drinking, you don't write that well when you're texting somebody. So I wish I was sitting in the room right then and there because take my personal history, that's a complete lie. Yeah. And and look, I mean, a lot of us, you, you just said that, but a lot of us have family members or experiences ourselves with drug addiction. And it's a horrible horrible situation and thing but this guy can't blame every every bad answer on drug addiction just you know this ah shucks i'm a boy scout now and i love my daddy you know i just like that doesn't i don't buy it and um you know that was frustrating because uh you know the left they're just they're just smooth talkers they just deny everything and just pretend it doesn't exist but the only way that hunter biden jim biden's biden family existed that amount of money existed for them to make was because of Joe Biden. They sold access to him. They sold it for millions of dollars. They got gifts, cars, diamonds, et cetera, and a lot of cash. And, um, you know, and then they hear Abby Lowell, you know, he was like, can you define this basic word? Like over and over again, just basic words. And it's like, dude, come on. You know, it was just a game to them. They were they were patting each other on the back. They were laughing. They yeah. were mocking yeah. the deposition. And it's just a game to them. It's yeah. just It's just a mockery. No, and I've watched the liberal media talk about this. You know, for example, um, I was watching Comer and Jim with uh, Bartiromo on Sunday, and I talked about this with Jim yesterday. And Galanis provided you guys with a ton of great information, but Galanis is in prison. So the Democrats go, oh, yeah, 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 we'll take that guy's word for it. Oh, Smirnoff? He lied. He's already in trouble. Oh, who do you got? Uh, Bobolinsky? Who the hell was Bobolinsky before Tucker Carlson called him? It goes on and on. I mean, Miranda Devine, to her credit, New York Post, had all this three years ago, Nance, before there was a Colmer, Jordan, Nancy Mace committee. She had all this. But the media has brushed this aside as a lot of smoke 
but no fire, none. Oh, the media, they're in bed with Hunter Biden. They're in bed with Joe Biden. They're, they're, and they're in bed with all of these cast of characters. And look, the FBI. Yeah, but they said, say, see, but they say you're in bed with Donald Trump and the Republicans. And it's, you know, it's tip for time. I know, listen, I'm on your side. I've seen the evidence mm-hmm. from you guys. I've talked to you guys, every one of you, off the air, on the air. you got to be an idiot, an idiot, not to think Joe Biden didn't know he was getting millions of dollars. An idiot. But, but. The onus to prove it is not as simple as what Sid Rosenberg and Nancy Mace believe. Right. And but the, but by the way, you know, the American people, bribery extends to families. It's a form of bribery when your family's getting paid off like this and you're granting them access. It, all of it is bribery. And, and you know, so it's just uh, it's frustrating. But I'm looking forward to having him there in public. And allow him to be a smooth talker with me when I question him for five minutes. I'm very much looking forward to it. What is that? What is that? Hopefully it's next month. Um, I don't know that we have a a set date yet, but it'll happen pretty soon. I can't wait. Are you going to curse? I think you cursed last time when you did (laughs) that. I don't plan any of this stuff. I don't think about it ahead of time. I really don't. It's just you got to know it. Listen, listen, I'm going to I'm going to write half the questions because all I do. Listen, Hunter, don't treat me like I'm a jerk off. Can you do that? Uh, I don't know. We'll see. I mean, he's, he's, very, he's just, he's smooth, man. He came up to me. He made a beeline for me during his first break yeah. and came up to me and shook my hand yesterday morning. He's smooth. He's very smooth. Yeah. And he wanted to tell me that he's not the evil man I portrayed him to be. Well, number one, I've never said he was evil. Number two, I told him to his face yesterday, again, that I thought he was being defiant and that he was being dishonest and that his testimony directly contradicted the testimony of other people, including friends and business partners of his, because that's the fact. Yeah. You know, I said to what Jim yesterday, Nance, I said, um, look, at the end of the day, if you don't get the impeachment and um, I was a gambling man, I would bet you're not going to get it. But um, but I said at the very least, why I applaud all you folks, you, Nancy and Jim and, and uh, Jordan, all you is because at the very least, the it's fair to assume there'll be no impeachment. But if the American public sees this, if there are five voters out there that for some accident hear this, even though they may not want to, then you've really done your job. I mean, I know what ultimately you guys want to get, but with you, are you okay with at the very least more Americans become aware of the Biden crime family? Oh, 100 percent. I mean, at the end of the day, no matter what happens, it's about educating the public about corruption, about what's going on at different federal agencies to cover this up, including the FBI and the DOJ. Um, And the American people, like you said, they will decide in November who's telling the truth. Now, tell me, this is what really interests me. okay, Nance, you Mm -hmm. um, you uh, Kevin McCarthy doesn't like you. That's fine. Just putting it nicely, Sid. <laughs> okay. He hates you. Okay. Uh, oh, you and Matt Gates, yes, he hates you both. So uh, you've got this big race coming up, which I'm endorsing you, and I will send uh, a uh, uh, donation towards you, too, at some point. Oh, I love you. Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, but you're going up against a pretty stiff competitor that is uh, really uh, backed by uh, Kevin McCarthy. That's how bad McCarthy wants you to lose in South Carolina. Where are we in that race? He is going to sink millions of dollars into his puppet. Every time uh, my opponent votes, she's going to have to ask him for permission. And you can go to puppetcatherine.com. Uh, she's bad on immigration. 
Oh, he didn't vet her, okay? He did not vet this woman. But um, if you want to chip into my campaign, you go to nancymace.org, chip in a dollar, $100, $500, whatever you can do. But, for example, you know, she cut 85% of immigration enforcement agents when she was head of an agency under the former governor. And it's like you can't tout your strong on border security when you fired all your immigration enforcement agents. Like, come on now. Uh, You know, she's Jeb Bush 2.0. She was supporting Jeb Bush. She was working against Donald Trump and supporting Jeb Bush when you and I were all in on Donald Trump in 16. And so uh, the record doesn't match the rhetoric, and we're exposing all of her lies. She lies a lot at PuppetCatherine.com. I have to correct you on one thing. You know why Donald Trump loves me? Besides the fact that I'm adorable and smart and all those things, which you know. (laughs) I was not in on, on Trump in 2016. I voted for Hillary. Really? Oh, yeah. I was. I was all in. I was not. So I had Donald Trump yeah. on this show in 2017 with my late great partner, Bernard, God rest his soul. And mm-hmm. I said, uh, Mr. President, I've known him for 25 years. I went to Tyson fights in Vegas, and, and he would be on my sports talk shows. That's how long I know Donald Trump. And I would say, Mr. President, I didn't vote for you. In fact, in, in fact, I thought your your campaign was. Please tell eh. me you didn't vote vote for Jeb Bush. Please tell me. <laughs> no, 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 no. I did not. No, no. I voted for okay. I voted for Hillary. I voted for and, and so. Ah, yes. Okay. So and I hated Hillary because I hated Obama. But uh, the country was in such bad shape, and all I heard Donald do was, you know, nickname the the opponents, and he's going to build a wall and wear a hat. And I'm like, what is this guy kidding me? Um, but I said to him then, it wasn't even a year after he won. I said, I must tell you, that watching you work every day. I think you're the best president I've ever seen. And all he mm-hmm. did during that interview with Bernard was keep coming back to, you see, I turned him around. You see, I turned him around. Now, first of all, most people would never, that. most people would never even admit that to the president, which I did. I did mm-hmm. right to it, mm-hmm. right at the very beginning. And then the fact that he did turn me around to the point now where I go, Reagan and Trump or Trump and Reagan, that's it. So I was not there from the beginning, but I'm there now, which says this too. He can't stand McConnell. Either can I. McConnell yesterday announces he's going to step down after this. What are your thoughts on McConnell leaving? Well, I think it's good to have a uh, refresh in leadership, <laughs> certainly according to my record. But the one thing I'll say about McConnell is he did do a good job when it came to our justices. And I think we've got to respect that, what he's done with our Supreme Court justices and getting conservatives that respect the Constitution on the bench. That is an important, that is historic what he has done. Um, But I think it's always a good thing to have new leadership. You don't want to have the same people leading our country uh, forever. And um, certainly in Kevin McCarthy's case, the guy was a liar. So we had to get rid of him. He lied (laughs) to the conference and lied to the American people. Um, You know what Kevin McCarthy should do before we get off? I want to make sure I say this. Kevin McCarthy has millions of dollars in his coffers that he's spending against solid conservative Republicans like myself. He ought to take that money because the RNC is broke and give that money to Donald Trump and help Donald Trump defeat Joe Biden. Because what he's doing right now is putting seats at risk. If I lose the primary, we lose my seat in the general election. My opponent is so bad. She has no exceptions for rape, incest, or life of the mother. That is how bad she is Mm. on the life issue. And in a pro-choice district like mine, you're dead. Like, you don't win in November if that's your position. That's her position. And she said some wildly crazy things uh, about the Confederacy. I mean, she voted in the Democrat primary in 2020. All these crazy things. The guy didn't yeah. better. Rather than spend that money against me, which I am a solid vote on most conservative issues, and I can win in November, why not give it to Trump and help him get reelected? Help us win the White House instead of destroying our party. 
I love the idea. It'll never happen. But here's the good news for you. You're going to get Trump's endorsement then, mine. You're going to win. So don't worry about it. Don't even worry about it. This lady's a psycho. I'm, and you're going to win. I'm, I'm running. I'm running hard like I always do. I, I work so hard for South Carolina. I love the job. And it's an immense honor to do the job. And we're just going to work our tails off and nancymace.org to chip in today. Nancymace.org. Please, if you love this country, love the great state of South Carolina, and love my friend Nancy Mace, send her a couple of bucks. Nancymace.org. Nancy, thank you. Excellent job. Thank you so much. Thank you. Good to talk to you. Nancy Mace there in South Carolina. Take a short break. Oh, yeah. He's coming up. The big guy, the segment of the week. Nobody does better. Bill O'Reilly. Bill O'Reilly's coming up next. Is sit in friends in the morning. Entertaining and informative. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. Growing U.S. worry Israel will launch Lebanon ground attack. They're worried that Israel may fight back. It's just unbelievable. You got to shut off CNN too now, bro. I hate to do it, but you got to do it. All right. Yeah, they're assholes too. Okay, you got it. MSNBC and CNN cannot be on these studios. They're worried that Israel will launch a ground attack. We've been taking Hezbollah missiles in Israel since October eighth, and they're worried that Israel may quote unquote fight back with a major ground incursion. I hope it is. It's unbelievable, it's unbelievable how the United States is stabbing Israel in the back at every opportunity in every country. Whether it's Hamas in Gaza, whether it's Hezbollah in Lebanon, the United States is taking every opportunity, every opportunity to demonize Israel and stab Netanyahu in the back. It's predictable. I said it. Did I not, Lou, from the very beginning? Yes. From October 9th, right? October 9th, I walked in. I said, this guy's no friend of the Jews. That was before he made his initial statements. And then that ridiculous press conference, he went on the air from Fox News and talked about that that Boba mindset, that that, that cockamamie story about gold in my ear. October 9th, I told you, he's not a friend of Israel. Him, Obama, two administrations, they're not. I don't care what he says for two minutes on Fox News. Show me what he does. Show me what he does. Can't be in bed with Iran and back Israel. And now, every time Bibi wants to do anything just to protect themselves, they hear it from this prick and this country. Jesus, Bill O'Reilly's next. Entertaining and informative. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Hey! 
Uh, Justin, nice try. He was the best. He still is the best. He'll always be the best, folks. Whether it's 9 p.m. weeknights right here on WABC or his own amazing website, BillOReilly.com. Great interviews, great columns, great TV. There's nobody better. He's killing series. He's killing it. He's 13 in. He's got a new book coming out about the president from Washington right up to Biden. I can't wait to read that. And uh, he does an amazing job with me every Thursday at this time, the great Bill O'Reilly. Bill, good morning, buddy. How are you? I'm delirious. Why? Well, because it's such a busy news week, my guy. I know. I know. It's, it's a lot I mean, going on. Uh, <laughs> Sid and friends, uh, New York's lucky to have you, right? You're running down all these big stories with a well, variety of opinions. Thank you. But uh, my uh, news we, operation, we, um, every time I turn around, I actually had to scold my staff this morning. Why? <laughs> um, because I... I'm a guy who basically micromanages no. BillOReilly.com, I, uh, and I delegate, and I have very skilled staff, and they're young. Um, but sometimes they wander into the land of um, not responding. Oh, I don't, I don't <laughs> That's do... not a good land. No, no. You gotta you, yeah. because I'm I'm firing stuff at yep. them like boom boom yep. boom yep. boom boom. Yep. Just give you an example. I mean, we're going to lead and uh, common sense tonight on WABC at nine o'clock. Um, we're going to lead with the border stuff, and because you got dueling presidents down on the border trying to uh, Biden's absolutely desperate. I mean, people don't know how desperate the Democratic Party is right now. The American public does not know the chaos within that party. And then Trump's down there trying to exploit the situation. No doubt he is, um, you know, to try to build up his uh, credibility for November. And then you got um, the Hunter Biden stuff, the Q&A, which makes no sense whatsoever. I have a message of the day on BillOReilly.com right now um, to say that your father, because you, you have two kids, so do I. If my kids were amassing multi-millions of dollars, I think I would know it. You think so, yes. I think they would yeah. take me out to dinner once in a while. That's right. Okay? Right. And this guy, oh, no, I don't know anything about You know, Sergeant Schultz is embarrassed <laughs> on this one. I don't know. And so, I, you know, I have that. And then you have the unbelievable Supreme Court ruling. And I say unbelievable because... This is the only body in our country that's not political. People think it's a political body. And there's no doubt that the nine justices lean one way or the other uh, philosophically. But to take up uh, this immunity claim, which nobody has any idea about. I mean, when you go home today and you take the, you, you're taking the boat home still, right? 100% every day. Okay, so when you're on the boat, um, just you know, and somebody recognizes you, whatever, um, just go, you know, what do you think of this immunity thing with the Supreme Court? I didn't no blanking idea what you're talking about. But it's huge. It's huge. Yes. It's a big win for Trump. It's a uh, big win for Trump. But then uh, he suffered a bad loss yesterday, too, because you just outlined the three biggest stories. Yeah. Without, of course, including the biggest local story, which goes back to a story you did just mention, immigration. I mean, now Eric Adams, Sanctuary City, blah, blah, blah. But... Uh, not a big win for Trump yesterday when he found out that the judge was, let me do this, was not going to delay the $450 million penalty that Trump must post and or pay sometime in the next 10 to 15 days. 
You know, I don't know. Here's why this is an impossible story to analyze. If it were me and I was Trump, I would try to get this out of New York State. I would try. I would be filing federal, um, like selective prosecutions. My civil rights are being violated to get it into federal court. And I assume that's what they'll do. Maybe they had to go through the process of New York to show the federal court that they're responsible. That could be it. But you, Donald Trump, is never in a million years going to get a fair shot in New York State or New York City ever. The system hates him. It, the fix is in. All of the Stormy Daniel stuff coming up is insane. And he's got to get it out of New York State. And I assume that's what his attorneys will do in the next week or so. Well, that's what they're going to try to do. If they can do it, we'll see. But uh, going back to immigration for a second, you did mention the fact that the current president, Joe Biden, in uh, Texas today, in Brownsville, Donald Trump in Texas as well, Eagle Pass, both at the borders. And uh, one guy did a really good job with the borders, and one guy in power right now has done a remarkably horrendous job with the borders. Do you agree, Bill, that when you really boil everything down, I don't care if you're talking about economy, abortion, Israel, Ukraine, that immigration may be the topic, the subject, the issue that puts Donald Trump back on Pennsylvania Avenue? Well, that's what he thinks. There's no doubt about it. And when you have two-year-olds being killed by Salvadoran migrants, allegedly, and when you have a 22-year-old, Lake and Riley, at the University of Georgia being slaughtered by a Venezuelan, allegedly, I mean, this now rises way up from a um, political issue to a public safety issue. Um, I have some stats for the WABC audience um, everybody get a pen and paper. Well, hold on to those then. This is great. Okay. That's the perfect tease. Bill O'Reilly, right, so, I love oh, stats. You want, you're going to take a break now, right? Quick break. But we and come back, back with, with stats. stats. Okay. Yes. This is what they call, and no one knows it better than you, Bill, because you're the best ever. This is a great tease. When we get back, we got Bill O'Reilly's stats. I can't wait to hear these myself. I'm sure you can either. Bill O'Reilly, coming right back. I'd rather stay out of danger. WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. They do it down on campus and they do it at my feet. Blazing about the beach all day and night, the cricket's creepy. Squinting faces in the sky. A herald drop his paperback. Surface drop their balls and drop. Yeah. 
Oh, and you play Squeeze, Lou. You know, uh, O'Reilly's going to give us some stats, but before he gets to the stats, I have to say this about Bill. He's this legend, news guy, still is. But he's a great New Yorker, let me tell you why. I have been to Shea Stadium, which some of you call City Field, which is stupid. I've been to Shea Stadium many times, courtesy of Bill O'Reilly. Or are you making plans for this season to watch a Met game? I have been to, I've seen Bill O'Reilly, I should say, at every big Islander game they've had, which is about two over the last five years. Oh, I get it. <laughs> Shut up, Lou. And just Saturday night at Madison Square Garden, Nixon Celtics. I'm there with Gaby. Who is sitting right in front of Corey and Jessica Zelnick? The great Bill O'Reilly. He is a great New Yorker. He's a big sports fan. He does all of it. So I want you to know that, Bill, that above and beyond the news stuff, which now you've distinguished yourself as the greatest ever, you're a real New Yorker, man. You're out there. You love all that stuff. Yeah, that's one of the reasons I'm here and not in Fort Myers. I mean, <laughs> so who am I going to go to see in Fort Myers? Well, Hello, could, is that a hurricane coming? Well, you could you move know, to my. You could move to Miami. You could see when the Mets come to town or the yeah, Knicks. Yeah, but I I lived in Miami for two years teaching high school way back when. Yeah. Um, and it, it's a vibrant town. Um, but, you know, the South Beach scene and Bill O'Reilly, not real compatible. You know what I mean? I don't want to be crawling around at 2 in the morning uh, yeah. looking for quaaludes. Yeah. I, it's not really me. Not even me anymore either. I'm with you. So, uh, But I want to get to those stats. funny. The stats uh, you were talking about before the break, you've got some stats. What yeah. are they, Bill? Okay, so three years comparing Trump and Biden on border intrusions. Okay, so for Biden, 8.8, this is according to Border Patrol, 8.8 foreign nationals encountered U.S. border officials in three years under Biden. 8.8 million? Yes. Trump, 2.1. Wow. Four times more. So when I was on Cuomo last night on New Nation, uh, we were talking about dueling presidents going to the border. I said, I don't really understand what Biden's going to do down there. Is he going to go down and say, hey, sorry, I screwed up the border for three years? Is that what he's going to do? Apolo- is it an apology tour down there? And what he's going to do is blame Republicans for not passing uh, this immigration law, which I never would have voted for because it doesn't solve the problem at all. Uh, and even Cuomo kind of admitted that, you know, if you had voted for uh, this Senate driven uh, immigration bill, which was absolutely designed to give Biden cover, uh, it's a Chuck Schumer bill. And if you had voted for that, nothing would have changed. A few of the numbers would have dropped. But it was essentially we're going to let hundreds of thousands of foreign nationals in. We're going to let them go unsupervised, and it's going to cost more money to do it. That That's the bill. And, yeah, maybe we'll get around to building a little bit of a wall, but, yeah, we're not in any rush to do that. Why would you vote for that? You know, I, I've said this, and I don't want to be boring and repetitive. The only way to handle this thing, and this is the only way, is for a president – Biden now, maybe Trump next year, to write an executive order that says the United States will not hear any more asylum claims for six months to a year so we can reorganize the immigration status of our country. Right. Trump will do that. 
uh, uh, Biden won't do it. So I'm going to stop you right there because I'm asked this question all the time, and you're smarter than me. Here's my answer. Why does Biden and all these Democrats, including mayors and governors in our cities and states, seem to welcome all these people in? Not that they're all bad, okay? The majority are good, but there's enough bad. There's enough bad, a dead Georgia student, and plenty of issues here in New York to stop it. There's enough bad, enough already. Why yeah, do they do it? Look, the my, theory, my, my answer is because of votes, but it can't be that yeah, simple. That's the, that's the working theory of, okay, if we open the borders, which the progressive left wants, and there's no doubt they do, don't want uh, anybody to be denied here, and that's – Everywhere in the world now. Okay? But why? Is it because they're good people? They care so much? I don't buy it. Well, they think they do. I mean, they think they're, uh, you know, that kind of thing. But the calculation is 20 years down the road. The only way you change America from a white patriarchy, which is what the uh, progressive left believes, that we're an evil country because white men run it. And we have to change that. And the only way you change it is to flood the zone with foreign nationals. See, that is the root of it all. When you get down to it, every progressive believes the same thing. America was founded on slavery. America is a racist country. America is run by greedy white men who hate minorities. You have to change that. The only way you change it is to flood the zone with millions and millions and millions of foreign nationals who will reject the white patriarchy. That is why this is happening. You know, I saw um, Joy Reid. I don't know why I saw it. Oh, it was uh, maybe Jesse was playing it, Jesse Waters. Yeah, it was. And he was playing something from, from Joy, who was on MSNBC, and she's black. And she was just going on and on, man, about what you're talking about, how white people. Well, you, oh, don't, yeah. you don't want to hear from black people. You don't want to hear from Asians. You don't want to hear from Latinos and going on and on. I mean, there's a theory out there talking about theories. There are black people that say that it's impossible for a black pe- person to be a racist. Well, I'm here to tell you. I'm going to say it for you, Bill. Sid Roseman is going to say it. The biggest racists I know are black people. The biggest, and they're on TV, all of them, Al Sharpton, Joy Reid, and a host of others. You know that. Well, I wouldn't say that. I'm going to disagree with you on that. Um, the activists, of which Sharpton and Reid are, you know, obviously leading the pack, the activists who make money, Black Lives Matter, all of that, they are. There's no doubt in my mind. But I, I have to tell you, I, I mean, I'm going on 50 years in journalism, and I, I've covered every story you could possibly cover in the world. And I have never really run into people of color resenting me for anything on the street. Now, there are hardcore Black Panther people. You know, we know what happened in the 60s with that movement, and, and we know that that there are precincts that don't like white people. Yeah. But I don't think it's a monolithic movement in the African community, African-American community. I could be wrong on that, but that's my experience personally. 
Oh, you've been out there, so you would know better than me. I just, you know, every time I put it on the television. Yeah, I can't tell you how many stories I've done in black neighborhoods. Right. Um, where I had to walk into really dangerous situations. No, I'm not talking about black people in general. In fact, I think yeah, uh, they get I a mean, they get the a bad rap. This is the problem. I'm talking about when I, every time I put on a TV show, not the, not civilians. Every time I put on a TV a TV show and there's a black person talking, they come up as a racist almost every well, time. That's because the media wants that. I mean, the media does. I had Jason Whitlock on last night on the. Uh, he'll be on the No Spin News tonight. I taped him. Um, and Whitlock is kind of a conservative African-American, yes, he and he's is. appalled by yep, yep. the Joy Reeds of the world. But you got to understand it's all about money. Yeah, I've known Sharpton forever. Sharpton, can I tell – do we have time for a Sharpton story? Absolutely. All right. And I don't think I've ever told this story in the media before. So Sharpton I used on the O'Reilly Factor occasionally because, you know, it was a debate back and forth. And uh, we went out to dinner one night. And we went to uh, Sylvia's in Harlem, the famous African-American restaurant in Bill, Harlem. Bill Clinton loves it there. Okay. <laughs> and at the dinner, Sharpton uh, was lamenting that he didn't have enough money through the National what is Action Network. I Correct. think that's what it is. That's it, yes. To buy turkeys for the poor people at Thanksgiving. And he goes, gee, I'm really in a, in a bind because we do this every year, but we don't have any money. So I gave him $25,000 to buy the turkey. Which, by the way, is very nice. Very nice. And I told him, I don't want you to tell anybody about it. Right. I said, I'll fund the turkeys for the, for the people. And so I did. Now, I did a radio commentary when I was doing a radio factor on my visit to Sylvia's with the caveat that I was trying to explain to my 90-year-old grandmother, lived in Teaneck, New Jersey, that there wasn't any difference between going to an African-American restaurant in Harlem and the restaurant that she goes to in Teaneck. It was the same restaurant, Grandma. It was the same, you know, people were having a good time, people were, there's no difference. Yeah. I got accused by Media Matters of being a racist, talking down, you know, like I was surprised there was no difference between right, Sylvia's right, and another white right, owned. Okay, that's what Media Matters does. Right. But here's hey, the good well, news, right? You're, you're about to tell me that your friend Al Sharpton, who just gave 25000 to, came to your rescue, right? He did not. <laughs> and they asked him. And they asked him, and he goes, yeah, that sounds racist to me. What? Yeah. Is that true? That Would I tell you if it wasn't? That's Because I got to tell you, I keep hearing on the street, and he, you know, it's not, and he's not here to say yes or no, that your friend, um, well, no, of course you are now these days, but Sean Hannity is kind of tight with Charlton. That's what I look, hear. Look, all I know is I don't care about skin color. I felt bad that these poor people weren't going to get Thanksgiving dinner, and I stepped up. Yes, you did. Yes, and you he, did. Sharpton, knows that I don't care about skin color, and I'm going to cover the story the way the story lies, and I don't care who's involved with it. Okay? He knows that. So when asked about me and Sylvia's, all he had to do was go, look, that's my, not my experience with O'Reilly. Wouldn't do it. Wow. Uh. That's, that's playing wow. to a crowd. Yep. yep. 
That is the highlight of today's show, I must tell you, Bill. I'm so glad you shared that story. What a cowardly move. I'm not surprised, but and congratulations to you for doing a beautiful thing, mind you. But I wish I could say I was surprised. I'm just not. I'm just not. No, it's, it's a tough world out there, and, um, you know, there are racist Americans, obviously, of all colors. Right. And, and if you are one, you know, you need to step back and figure that out, uh, particularly if you're a Christian or a Jew. Right. Where the philosophy is Judeo-Christian philosophy, look, we're all created in the image of God. Period. That's it? That's it. If you're a Christian or a Jew and you're a bigot and, and wailing on people because of their skin color, you got to resign. You can't go to Temple or, uh, or Mass. <laughs> yeah. you got to well, submit your resignation. Right. But you can go to, um, I guess you can go to confessional, right? And then do like, yeah, but you know, people—that's that's another thing here. People think, ah, you know, I can do the horrible things of running the profession. <laughs> that's what I thought. Okay. It is. No, that's not the way it works. Yes, it is. The priest can tell you to do forty or fifty hail marys, and you go home. That's it. No, yeah, but you go home, but you still got to pay a price for that for what you do. Unless you live in New York, you don't have to. You don't even go to jail. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Dennis Miller's lie was he doesn't go to confession anymore. But if he did, he go. You first. <laughs> That's a great line. <laughs> you first. <laughs> Dennis Miller. Bill, this was uh, a one for the ages, I must say. An epic appearance. I love you. Thank you so much. All right, Sid. Always fun. Thanks for having me. Oh, that was great. Bill O'Reilly. That Sharpton story is money, and that Dennis Miller line's a great one, too. We'll take a short break. Gnome's got the news. <laughs> then Mayor Rudy Giuliani. We roll on on a Thursday. Is Sid and friends in the morning? What you say? Just a friend. Oh, you're my best friend. Seventy-seven WABC. Oi. TV, because we shut off MSNBC because, to me, Joe and Mika are terrorists. Terrorists. Barnacle, Sharpton, guys, losers. Terrorists. So we've got uh, New York one on, not much better, by the way, with that racist era, Lewis, on the right, and then CNN is on on the left. And uh, I asked Justin to shut off CNN, but he doesn't know how to do it. So. 
So CNN is running a story now all morning long that the IDF, before I get to Rudy here, the IDF purposely opened fire on Palestinian civilians gathered around an aid truck, killing over 100, injuring hundreds more, that the Israeli animals opened fire on innocent Palestinians. As if the world doesn't already hate my friend Bibi and the Israelis, CNN is running this story all morning long. And they're lying. Unless, Noam, you tell me they're not. Well, JNS, which is, I know, your news source, is saying that there is something to this, that uh, dozens of Gazans reportedly killed during a riot that erupted following the entry of eight trucks into the oh, northern right. Gaza Well, wait a, oh, wait a second. A mm-hmm. riot. So yeah. CNN is saying these people were innocently standing there waiting for aid. If you're going to tell me that a riot erupted and these people got violent with the cops, then, yes, we're going to shoot you. Right. Was it a riot or all like CNN is saying, where they're just standing there innocently waiting for aid? Well, so this is what JNS is because I'm reading it as you're t- you know talking about the story. They found that most people died from being crushed, run um, over or trampled yeah. and that uh, Israeli gunfire caused maybe 10 injuries to this crowd. Mm-hmm. That's what JNS is no, reporting. And that's care. what the IDF is saying. I don't care. I just don't care. I don't care because I'm sure these animals went nuts and started a riot. And, uh, you know, that's what's going to happen. They weren't. CNN is making it sound like these poor people were standing there waiting for a blanket. And Israeli soldiers just shot him. And I can promise you it didn't go that way. I can promise you that. It's a battle of the numbers, right? So Israel has its own numbers. And then the Gaza run, or I should say the Hamas run health ministry, has numbers that are drastically different from the Israelis. CNN all morning long keeps promoting the Palestinian uh, what is it called? The, th- the authority, the uh, Palestinian Ministry of Health has right. reported 30,000 dead. The Palestinian. Min- That's like reading the New York Times. You know, James Flippin is here. I can have him go just stand in front of the television since we're not able to turn it off. And that'll block you from being able to see the screen. He's not fat enough. Oh, uh, so get Troshan here. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's not right. See, this is why people hate me. Anyway, uh, my <laughs> Looks good on the resume, though. <laughs> he is uh, the greatest mayor of all time and the spectacular 3 p.m. host, Rudy Giuliani. Rudy, good morning. How are you? Well, Rudy, are you there? Well, he was there. It says Ref CX. Rudy, are you there? Somebody, Asian Teddy. Let's take a break, come back, and uh, we'll find out. Oh, Rudy, there he is. Okay. What happened? You go to the bathroom? I had to work work my way through the uh, Democratic protesters. I wouldn't be surprised. Are they outside your house right now? No, no, I'm kidding. (laughs) (laughs) I wouldn't be surprised. Hey, Rudy, tell me this. I have a very important question for you, okay? Yeah, yep. Mayor Adams, Eric Adams, is the mayor of this city, okay? Okay. But it seems to me that there's another person who has the same last name. Adams, same last name, who seems to have more power than the mayor, and that is this dreadful, repulsive city council leader, Adrian Adams. So how is it possible that Adrian Adams has more power than Mayor Eric Adams. 
as a former mayor? Because he lets her have more power uh, from the very beginning. I mean, he never he never asserted himself as the mayor. And uh, you have to do that from day one. Now, I, I, I can't give you good advice on this because I was really the most fortunate mayor ever to have a city council speaker that was a patriot, Peter Vallone. And uh, I can I can tell you great stories about bipartisan cooperation. But that's like telling you a fairy tale nowadays. <laughs> uh, right. <laughs> but there had to be there, there had to be somebody who wasn't a patriot who was with the opposing party who you were able to, well, you to over the power. You have to use power then. I mean, he. I, I thought, for example, when he first came into office, when his approval numbers were sky high, people had a lot of hopes for for, uh, for Adams. Uh, that he should have said to the city council members, if you don't get rid of this damn law. I'm going into your district, and I'm going to campaign against you. i got to tell you something. In your district, your people know me better than they know you. And you don't vote for this. I'm going to dedicate myself to wiping you out for two years. That's a pretty powerful enemy to have, the mayor. Well, you know, Ronald Reagan did that. It's not exactly unknown strategy to get his, to get his uh, uh, tax cut through a Democratic Congress. You pick a few vulnerable people. You win them over to your side, and if you have to go to war with the speaker, you go to war with the speaker and try yeah. to win. Yeah. But he's never done that. Or, or let's let's take Hochul. He could have gotten Hochul to do away with the bail bill and the age bill when she was running for office. He was elected. He was very popular. She needed his endorsement. It was a close election with Zeldin, right? Yeah. He could have gone to her and said, you want to hear something funny? I may endorse Zelda right. if you don't get the damn thing changed. Right. Well, I'm, gl- I'm, no, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because I had that criticism of Eric. I like Eric, but I criticized him that way this morning. I said what you just said. He endorsed Kathy Hochul, knowing that bail reform was crippling this city. He actually referred to Adrian Adams just a month ago here in the city as his sister, from another mother, and and he also is all over the federal government and Joe Biden, yet a month ago, unprovoked, he endorsed Joe Biden. So why do you keep endorsing all these people that are leading to the ruination of our city? Because you don't really care that much about our city. It happened, I mean, it happened that I endorsed Mario Cuomo the first year I was mayor as a Republican. Took me years to reestablish myself in the Republican Party. I did it because the city was in fiscal peril. Dinkins left a city that was a lot more broke than any of the left wing media would ever admit. I had a cut twice, and I still hadn't gotten to to a balanced budget. I had to do it a third time, and I knew that uh, Cuomo understood that, and he wouldn't use the control board to take control of the city. I was worried about Pataki. Because he didn't understand the issues. He didn't give me good answers to the questions when I talked to him. And he had Al D'Amato around. So I said, I'm going to, I'm going to go, I'm going to go for my city, not for my party. My city needs somebody who can be a savior. Now it turned out that George was a much better governor than I thought. Probably was wrong in that analysis at the time, but it was an honest analysis. And you got to be able to do that as a mayor. You're at the bottom of the totem pole. In some ways, you've got the biggest responsibility. If you don't have guts, 
ain't going to work, and he has no guts. Uh, uh, he has no guts. He's never had any guts. Wow. That's a pretty bold statement. He's got no guts. So you're saying to me, if you were the... No, I'm not arguing. Yeah, I know. Political guts. Right, I get it. So if if you were the mayor, okay, and again, thank God you had Valone, but if you were the mayor today, and Adrian Adams came out like she did yesterday, yesterday and said, Eric, you may as well forget it. That ain't going to happen. I ain't doing it. What would you, where would you be this morning after she made those comments yesterday? Well, I'd find, I'd find uh, the most vulnerable parts of a district, and I'd spend the next two weeks there. I'd go tell the people in her district how she's ruining the city, how she's getting people killed in the city, uh, how uh, she's, she's blocking uh, reforms that would uh, be most important to black people. I mean, there's a, and believe me, even at 29% uh, approval or whatever he is, the mayor is, is still means a lot more in that district than Adrian Adams. Uh, I, I, he, he must know the power that you have. Well, you got to use that power not just to go to nightclubs. You got to use the power <laughs> for the good of your people, yeah, funny. <laughs> not to push people around, but for the good of your people. That's right. what you have it for. Yeah. Rudy Giuliani, the great Rudy Giuliani, right here at uh, nine thirty on your Thursday morning. So, Rudy, yesterday on my show. And I've been doing this a long time, 25 years. And I've spoken to everybody, from presidents to athletes to celebrities to great people like you. And I'm very rarely shocked. But I was floored yesterday, floored, when your friend and mine, Peter King, came on this show. And I was expecting Peter to defend Mike Sapriconi. And I said, hey, your friend Mike out there, he's donated to James and uh, Kaminsky and Cuomo. He said he should step down today. When you heard that, were you shocked? I was shocked that Peter did it so fast. Am I shocked at Peter uh, doing something as a matter of principle? He's exactly the kind of politician I'm talking about. I mean, he should be mayor. I mean, Peter, Peter stood up to the Republican Party when he thought they were wrong. He stood up to Ronald Reagan when he thought he was wrong. And he loved Ronald Reagan. Uh, P- Peter is what you want in a public official. He figures out what he thinks is good for his people, and then he fights for it. And the p- politics of it, you figure out. Uh, you know, that was a terrible choice. I think Andrew and I were the first ones to point out his record, because uh, of the, particularly because of the contribution to Leticia James. Yeah, it was you, Andrew. By the way, too. it was you, Andrew, and Johnny Tobacco, because he wants Castro yeah. Casanova to Cara Casanova to win, right? Yeah, yeah. I, well, now you have to give up my source, right? <laughs> <laughs> He's my source too, just so you know. <laughs> He's everybody's source. I guess we revealed him. We did the we did the worst thing in journalism. You and I said we revealed our source, like nobody knew there was Johnny Tobacco. Oh, God, Oh, that is funny, but it's true. And Peter stepped up and... Uh, now they got two good candidates. They got two good candidates there, two r- real Republicans. And I think Kara's the better one, but they have two good ones now. But you're not going to have a problem with these two, with her and John. And they're both uh, Trump supporters. They're both MAGA people. Kara has the extra added thing of being a real, real uh, uh, crusader for January 6th people. I mean, she really knows that she went down there, went through the trials. I mean, she's taught me a lot of what I know about January 6th, about the, about the tapes that, that they're covering up. And, I mean, she's incensed by it. She thinks it's like the Japanese internment <laughs> yeah. in, uh, during uh, World true. War II. Yeah, true. 
Uh, so talking about uh, being MAGA people and Trump, uh, Biden and Trump are both at the border today. Trump is in Eagle Pass, Texas. The imbecile in charge is at uh, Brownsville, <laughs> not Brooklyn. He thinks he's in Brooklyn, but it's Brownsville, Texas. And Brownsville, Brownsville, Brooklyn, right? <laughs> right. So the two of them are. <laughs> <laughs> the accents are a little different, Joe. Right. So he's going to go down there, like Bill O'Reilly just said he's right, uh, Biden, and say, yeah, it's a mess, but that's because the Republicans won't pass immigration reform and just had a chance to right. do something big and blew it in the Senate. Right? That's it. I don't know how they don't think we have one brain in our head. I mean, he did it all by executive action. So, I mean, it's all very simple. We had 450,000 coming in when Trump left office. We have 3.2 million now. On the first four days in office, he changed 50 regulations affecting uh, uh, immigration. And the biggest ones were he did away with stay in Mexico, which accounted for about 60% of uh, Trump's success, according to Holman and the people who executed, maybe even more. And uh, he, he did away with, uh, he, he reinstated catch and release which it took a year and a half, really, for Trump to overcome because they were so used to it. And they're doing it now. Catch and release means you virtually don't see the inside of a prison, like this guy Ibarra. Uh, he was supposed to be arrested and detained. Eh, nah, we'll let him out. Then he, then he commits crimes. He's supposed to be detained. Eh, we'll let him out. Oh, he killed somebody. Oh, she shouldn't have been running that park anyway. I mean, that's basically the way the liberal media handled it. AP, yeah. when they first drafted the story, they described the guy as from Athens, Georgia, and she was running in a dangerous park. I know. Gross. Gross. That's I know. Disgusting. I know. That is disgusting. And we had him here, by the way. We had him here in New York. We had him. We had him, Rudy. Yeah, yeah him. We had him, and Athens had him, both. Oh. And they're both sanctuary cities. I know. You know something? Adams can feel good. That mayor down there is much worse than Adam. Yes, he is. I agree. Totally oh, agree. Oh, my. That guy is like, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, you're right. Hey, by the way, people are putting pressure on me. Maybe putting pressure is a bit extreme, but I'm going to present it that way. That uh, me and you, you and I, Rudy Giuliani, should get the message to Trump, even though he knows exactly what's going on. Trust me, he knows what's going on. Donald knows everything. Uh, we should get the message to Trump that uh, Sapraconi sent out a release yesterday that said he is not going to drop out, despite what Peter King said, despite the Letitia James donation, despite knowing that with all of his Trump talk that Trump can't stand him, he's not going to drop out. So maybe Trump needs to send a letter to Mike that says, Mike, what Sid said is right, I can't stand you, and you're a backstabber, and you're doing it to James, so it's in your best interest to get the hell out now. Can we make... Uh, Donald Trump, uh, send him a letter. Not make him, but uh, make him aware of that and send him a letter. Oh, I think he's, I, I think he's aware of it, but we can, we can get him focused on it. Yeah. Yeah, let's do Absolutely. that. Yeah. I mean, he won Michigan. What's next? Uh, we probably got a court date today. <laughs> now, well, I mean, on the, isn't it the fourth, uh, that we no, have? No, the fifth. Super Tuesday, isn't it? Super Tuesday yeah, the so fifth. That's next, that's yeah. next Tuesday. And by the way, Trump's going to be I mean, in a good, Trump's going to be in a good mood. Um, he may not be. On, on, on one hand, it's great news that, the immunity deal has been pushed off, but on the other hand, they did say he has to post that money. So every day it's wins and losses for a friend. It's, I don't know how he does it, Rudy. It's unbelievable, no? Uh, yeah, it is. I mean, you get up, you find out the Supreme Court took third on the case. You say, great. 
And then you say, oh, I got to come up with 450. <laughs> I got to get a bond for 450 million. <laughs> I don't care who you are. Yeah. That's a, that, that, a lot of people will not do a bond for that for anybody. Also, you know, he's in a precarious situation. The bond companies don't know how to evaluate these cases. We know they're crap, but they're still cases. I mean, I go through that with my, uh, with my own situation. Uh, people look at my at, at at me and if I let's say let's say I wanted to borrow money, you know, oh you got too many cases against you, right? Well, I go through them. This case is bull. This case is bull. This case. They say, yeah, well, we can't do yeah. until they're over. We can't say that. Yeah. Well, that's why they're doing this. Yeah. That's why. That's why. That, that, that's why you made a major mistake when you put away all those crime bosses back in the eighties because you can go to them and with five percent interest. You're good to go. <laughs> no, they, they settle this problem quick. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you left those guys alone, you can go to Baywood this morning and walk out with $20 million. You know that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't think, you know, even though even though they operate like a crime family, the Bidens, they're not a crime, they're not a crime family in that sense. Not really. No. Well, what do you think about what happened yesterday with Hunter Biden? Any thoughts? Yeah, I think, he, I think that it was just straight-out perjury. I mean, we had two days in a row of some of the most uh, dramatic perjury I've ever seen. First, we had that guy, Terrence Bradley, get on the witness stand. And he, I've never seen a guy fall apart the way he did, lying, lying, lying. And then him, uh, he, 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 his father wasn't involved in his businesses. Come on. I mean, there, there were tape recordings of his father talking to him about his business. Right, right. Including his father oh, saying, I mean, uh, uh, remember what his father said? I read the New York Times today, son, don't worry, you're okay. Remember that? That's, that's, the, that's the recording I'm talking about. Right. And that, was, and that was based on reading an article about all his business dealings in China. So he read and evaluated all his business dealings and said, son, you're okay. I mean, that's only one of 50 conversations, <laughs> but... God Almighty! At, pitch, at pictures and yeah, at dinners, I know. At Cafe Milano with the uh, crooked uh, oligarch from Russia, the two yep. of them. Yep. Uh, and the two of those those two oligarchs, you know, have never gotten sanctions. Even with the latest sanctions, I keep looking for them, and they never get sanctioned. And they are very high on the Putin uh, friend list. Interesting. Interesting. And this guy is a straight, just a crooked politician. That became president. And unfortunately, to the thing I really worry about is a lot of times politicians are taking money from businessmen or they're taking money from uh, uh, lobbyists. This guy is taking money from our enemies. Correct. I know. And this that's why this is much different. I know every decision he makes in Ukraine and China and Russia. I got to look at it three or four times and say to myself, he's compromised. Is that why he did it? Why does he keep writing big checks for Zelensky when clearly Ukraine can't win this? Well, maybe because he really cares about the Ukrainian people, or maybe because he feels like he owes Zelensky a favor. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know either. I, 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 I do know China. I'm convinced that he's completely compromised on China. Yeah, agreed. I agree. I, I, I can't think of a decision that he hasn't made that isn't favorable to him. <laughs> right, that's crazy. Think, crazy. I Listen. can think of decisions that were incredibly yeah. incredibly damaging to us, like giving up the air base and uh, not doing anything about fentanyl and uh, not doing anything about COVID. You know, we still have that whole issue. 
Of course. About COVID. Yeah, no, they they they, they bought it here. Uh, listen, I got to run. I could talk to you all day. You're brilliant, and I love you, and you're funny and smart. But well, you are terrific, too. Thank you, I Rudy. I love you, man. Thank you. Rudy Giuliani coming thank up, you. of course, every weekday afternoon at 3 o'clock on this show. Every week, because we love Rudy, America's greatest mayor, just one of the best men I've ever met. We'll come back, sit in friends in the morning on a Thursday. Friends in the morning, 77 WABC. Heck of a show today, folks. Brian Kilmeade, Curtis Lewa, Alan Dershowitz, Nancy Mates, Phil O'Reilly, Rudy Giuliani, and Pete Morgan. <laughs> God, no, no, number, no wonder we're number one. You got a big party in the city tonight? I do Monday night. I have actually two events in the city next week. I've got something at the Plaza Monday in Casa Cipriani on Wednesday. Nice. And you've got uh, a big party tonight, don't you? I do. You want to get a tuck? Yeah, I won't go with the bow tie, though. But, yeah, yeah two of my buddies are being honored. Jimmy V, who you know, Jimmy uh, Ventura. Yeah, uh, the, WFAN. The, the, the best. No, 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 no. He, uh, the, oh, that's uh, the, the horse guy and, you know, real oh, guy. Oh, I do know who he is. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah, 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 yeah. But isn't that fan guy with a V also? That's Verado. Verado, okay. Yeah, he's, right. he's a great guy. Yeah. And Bobby Knackle. So these are lifelong think, friends of mine. I think I signed books to both of those guys. You did. I did, right? So anyway. So what's the event for exactly? Uh, Some real estate awards. Okay. And they're being honored. And are you winning something? No. 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 I'm winning absolutely nothing. You have live music? I have no idea. <laughs> All I know is I'll be there. Yeah. Support my boys and right. uh, have a little something to eat, a little drink. Nice. Go have a nap. Sounds and, good. And, and looking forward to breakfast tomorrow with Maureen. Oh, she's here. No. You're going back to Jersey? Going back to Jersey. Gotcha. Yeah. Where do you go tomorrow for a breakfast with Maureen? I'll stop at the uh, What's your deli guy, my deli guy. Oh, the deli guy. You don't yeah. have a diner by your house? We you do, guys? but no, we'll, we'll, we'll eat at the house. We'll eat at the house. Turn you on the stream. Right. And uh, she'll get aggravated and start screaming about something. And, right. You know, just like you are. And almost. <laughs> sync- it's like a, like the swimming. is. Well, I got aggravated. Sync- it, swimming. Yeah. I, in, in like 60 seconds this morning. I know. Well, no, right off the bat, got me pissed off as I could possibly be. The best yeah. part was watching your face up to your bald <laughs> top get redder and redder and redder and, and that's redder. that's saying something. That's right. Too. And redder and redder and redder. That is saying something because I'm tense. But, but I wasn't acting. I was, I was furious. Lou and I no. were sitting in the control room howling as this yeah. was going on. And then Lou chimed in and you bit his head off. You yeah. Poor guy. That's okay. Yeah. Used to it. It's, it's going to be the way it is. Yeah. Well, no. it is going to be that way with Israel. If you mother effers uh, jump in with anything, I don't find pro-Israel enough. I don't care who you are. I'll do it to my own mother. No, no one was happy I jumped in. I was, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Noam. It's not going to happen all the time. I love Noam, though. He's so smart. He's so good at the news. But he just, every once in a while, he chose his true colors. 
He's, he's a traitor, basically. Oh, my God. Oh, wow, wow. A traitor? I mean, wow. really? Yeah, he's, he's a Biden supporter, a liberal. He's all the horrible things. You know, He's one of those uh, Jews that, you know, not really a real proud, you know, go get him Jew. No, he's, no. no I have like to name Noam. I can't right, get more Jewish if, if, no. if you listen to me carefully, okay, <laughs> mother effer, if you don't hate Joe Biden today, right. hate his guts, right. then you're not a proud Jew. Are we going to start again? No, no. Yes. If you don't hate <laughs> Biden's guts, you're not a proud Jew. It's yeah. as simple as that. That's the barometer. That's it. That's it. That you is know, it. That should be on your If you don't hate his guts. You know what I'm going to do? What's that? I'm going to turn on MSNBC right now. Oh, jeez. <laughs> just turn them on all day. You know, MSCNN. Just get them all on. <laughs> Why is CNN still on, uh, Justin? What? Why is CNN <laughs> still on? I don't know. What? I couldn't figure it out. I, you, the battery's you, out or something. Why don't you just pull the plug out of the wall? I don't know. I just got so many more important things to do for you than shut off the TV, you know? Listen, no, no, no. It's a ten times to shut the TV off. He put, I tried my best. He put 20 minutes into it. We watched him. <laughs> I, know. I mean, for the love of God. <laughs> He's like, four remotes. I don't know what you want I me said, to do. What, what, I'm pulling this remotes is like out of my uh, Remedial oh. technology <laughs> class. <laughs> just bring a sledgehammer in tomorrow. Bash the yeah, ball. And we'll have to worry about him again. Yeah, no, but can't you just pull the plug out of them? <laughs> yeah, well, yank, no, because it's a... Uh, it's behind the wall. It's in the wall. Oh, it's in the wall. Yeah. Yeah. Very I see enough. somebody we can pull the plug out of, and that would probably eliminate all the problems. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> well, send an email to Droveshaw to chat to somebody and say that Sydney hates uh, the... Yes. Right. I can't watch it. It's uh, uh, this, this fat lady who's on Sarah Snyder. She's the worst. Mm. She's on every morning, and she makes me... Angry. She makes me angry, too. Right, so why do I have to be uh, subject to this? I just try to focus on other things, like the radio show. I do, but then oh. every my eye, you know, it, it veers to the left during a break or something, and right. then i got to see this. I'll, I'll cover it up with the sheet, a big sheet. That's oh, that reminds me of the old days. Of, <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I used to look out the... Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it a lot. reminds you of the old days. What, are you going to explain it? I used to, I used, I used to look out the keyhole in uh, the hotel room, yeah, and I'd sure be like, would. cover oh. that thing up because they're coming to get me. I'm like, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. That paranoia. <laughs> That's why we do it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. If you had an accident, trust Gabu Law, personal injury and medical malpractice attorneys with decades of experience who will provide the attention you deserve and deliver the best possible results in the shortest amount of time. Gabu Law has recovered millions for their clients, and they will be able to help you. But don't take our word for it. Read their five-star reviews from former clients on Google, Avvo, and Facebook. Call Gabu Law today, 800-560-0214 for a free consultation or email them at info at gabolaw.com. That's G-A-B-O-Law.com. Gabo Law, where winning is no accident.